Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Spoilers. Today, me, Pappy, and our favorite guest host, Pixie Bomber, are going to be ranking down pretty much all of our favorite Disney movies of all time, going 57 all the way down to number one. Pappy, what is up? Hey, uh, this is the first podcast to ever do this, I think. So I'm pretty excited. We're making podcast history. I don't think there's ever been one podcast I talked about. 57 Disney movies on one episode. Um, the way we broke this down was we have all of the canonical films of the Walt Disney Animation Studio. So, Pixie Bomber, I don't know, have you seen like the Goofy movie and uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and all of that? Nightmare Before Christmas is an annual watch for me, right in between the Halloween and Christmas season. And then the Goofy movie, I saw that way back when it was released. Well, it's not on this list, so don't nope. think about it. <laughs> it is on my other list on Letterboxd that I have, which is the full and complete catalog, including live action with Swiss Family Robinson. Wow. Yeah, you guys did one a while ago on Swiss Family Robinson. It's a classic episode. Classic spoilers. Is that the one with the animal abuse? Yeah, big time. Okay, vaguely yeah. remember that episode. I think we talked about that in length. But... If you're listening in your car, or at home, or in the shower right now, do not get mad at our lists. They're just going to be completely different from yours. And if you want to make your own list on Letterboxd, or pen and paper, or Excel, send it into our Instagram, and we will upload it, just because we're that cool. At Podcast Spoilers. I send you guys stuff all the time. (laughs) I'm the annoying one. (laughs) Alright guys, you ready? I'm ready. Born ready. So wait, explain, Steve, explain to the audience how we're going to go about breaking this down. So we're going to be doing kind of musical chairs here, but we're going to be talking pretty much about where each movie falls in our ranking going from 57 to 1. So if I start and say, just for the sake of it, it's Chicken Little, Pappy can be like, I have that at 47. Pixie can be like, I, I have that at number 1. Uh, no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> Sounds about right. I like it. Just in case that happens. But to start off, I will start with my least favorite Disney animated movie of all time. I imagine it's your guys' 57 too. It would have to be the release of Chicken Little. Yeah, I like how you're like, in theory, my least favorite is Chicken Little, when it's clearly the worst <laughs> Disney movie really ever. Is. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> um, so I have viewed... 54 as of a half hour ago, and that one is my 54th. I remember when it came out, it got a release date of October 30th, 2005. It had like a big Halloween marketing campaign kind of around it too. I don't know if you guys remember that. It was supposed to be like spooky, but it's also I don't know. To me, it's just like an ugly movie inside and out. It's like mean-spirited. The animation is terrible. It's nasty. It's like the characters are really mean to each other, and uh, I guess there's just no redeeming qualities. It's like they use the B team for their animation on this one. And, like, the story is ridiculous. Do you remember the story, Stevie, of, like, Chicken Little? <sighs> I remember the big town, like, center town, like, disruption the movie starts off with, because Chicken Little is just a screw-up and everybody thinks he's a freak. But isn't it pretty much the breakdown of an alien invasion on this small, like, Iowa-type town? Yeah, it goes full on 10 Cloverfield Lane with an alien invasion out of nowhere in like the later part of the movie, but like way worse. It's just, it's just bad. And like, it's got my least favorite Disney thing too, where they have like contemporary pop songs in it and they don't fit with the movie at all. 
Oh, did you like the spice? The pig is dancing to spice girls. I mean, I love the spice girls, (laughs) but it just there was a disconnect for me on that. I mean, Pap, do you remember what were the releases like before and after this movie for Disney Animation? Uh, I mean, it's like the Isle of Shit. It's got like the <laughs> Home on the Ranges and a bunch of other like really terrible ones that we'll talk about here in a second. But all right, any any other points on Chicken Little? Or are you ready for my next lowest one? Uh, that's it. Yeah, by far okay. my least favorite Disney movie. Go ahead, Pap. Okay, my fifty-sixth least favorite, or my second least favorite Disney movie ever. And I don't think you've seen this one, Renee, but it's 2000's uh, Dinosaur. I have it from the library. It's sitting right here in front of me. Well, don't waste your time because it's fucking terrible. It's actually not even supposed to be one of these movies. It was produced by like, a different studio, but for some reason it's included in this list. I mean, Stevie, do you remember Dinosaur at all? Okay, so I used to do this as a kid because, well, I loved movies, but I would go see like four movies in a day while paying for one. Terrible, I know. I think I, I saw U571, Mission Impossible 2, and Dinosaur all on the same day. And I vividly remember thinking Dinosaur was the worst out of all of those. And the second worst that I have at number 56 in all the Disney movies. It's got like a really cool intro sequence and you're kind of like, oh, it's not going to be that bad. But then like, the whole plot and everything, like they're, it's like very Ice Age esque, right? They're trying to do like this big migration, and there's like this some big infighting. sweeping migration, like full of like crude and like kind of like pop culture jokes, and it just doesn't fit at all in Disney. But this came out before Ice Age. It did, it did, yeah. But but I would say that this is like the like the worst of these movies are like when Disney's trying to be something else, like, and it felt like a last stitch effort to capitalize on the dinosaur popularity of the '90s, but like way too late i think this was the first one that used cgi too because they leveraged that other that other studio let me see if i can find that real quick but do you have any other notes on dinosaur stevie or anything else you remember about it it aged very poorly like as far as like the animation goes it just it Mm -hmm. doesn't look right and not a lot of the characters are likable at all and it's just a very flat and uninteresting movie yeah, so I'm looking at Wikipedia. I was trying to remember what it was. It was Dream Quest Images. I think that was the other studio that did it. And they were, they were trying to, like... Disney was almost trying to, like, acquire their way or partner their way into, like, the CGI animation. But it just it just didn't work. So that's my second least favorite 2000s dinosaur. Renee, what do you got as your next uh, lowest? So my next lowest is an old one, but not a very good one. It's fun, fancy, free. Fun and fancy. Okay, yeah, I have that at 49 for me. So do I. Oh, yeah, look 49. At us. Check us yeah. out. Three for three on the way. So, not very good, but Renee, what do you hate about it? For this one, okay, so there's a good, you know, good animation sequence at the top. And then with the bears slapping each other to show love. That was just <sighs> weird. <laughs> Like, yay, 1940s time. But then it switches to Jimmy Cricket introducing this party sequence where there's, like, a guy with puppets and a birthday. It's creepy. 
Yeah, it just got weird. Though I did like the the utter puns on the third sequence with the cow. I had seen the like di- or Mickey and the Beanstalk before. I had not seen like all that extra stuff around it. Like, what's his name? I'm trying to find whose whose name that was. Was it Jack Kinney? Well, the Beanstalk sequence is one I saw before, so I was like, oh, okay, this will be good. And then, yeah, um, it was Jack Kinney. And then Hamilton, Rusk, William Roberts, and William Morgan. Yeah, and like that's like he's got like the Charlie. Uh, well, Jack Kenny directed it. It's like it's like those classic uh, dummies that you always see. Um, the terrifying the ones. The ones in Toy Story Four. I, I, it's weird that Jiminy Cricket's in two movies. I kind of forgot about that. Uh, I think they're using him just as a narrator point. And probably like a callback to Pinocchio. I'd be like, oh look, here's Jiminy. I mean, yeah, I really. There's like a good 15 movies in here I just really don't like. I don't like... The package films are really bad. And I think we should kind of touch on that too, like in case you haven't seen these. Like, Basically, like during World War II, they, Disney stopped making full-length feature movies. And they started making these package movies that are just basically like different segments, like Renee was talking about, where there's like three mini cartoons in one. I mean, Renee, do you like that format at all? Like, It's kind of like... Fantasia, but shittier. Some of these. Um, so there's um, in the Disney uh, collection. There's their whole entire war series, which were the same situation, but those were good quality propaganda. Like mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed those more than this, and it was of the same era. So I think they were focusing too hard on doing um, Donald becomes a sailor and um, the one we learn about riveting. And then there's this. <laughs> and also, um, Renee, I don't know if you've read this or not, but me and Pap read the book on the uh, Nine Old Men, and they were pretty much all shifted to all the propaganda films. And I think really, like, the B's and C teams were left with, like, yeah. on Melody Time or Fun and Fancy Free and movies like that. And you have to remember, too, like, towards the end of the Golden Era, which we'll talk about, like, all of those movies were, like, big financial gambles and like you know artistic triumphs and then like <laughs> they gotta get in the point where we know we need to turn out some shit that's gonna make money um got to get edgar B- bergen is the ventriloquist and like the famous dummies are charlie M- mccarthy and i've heard of more snurred or sneered before but and that's like before my time i, I kind of remember my grandparents like being into those things but i don't know anything else on fun and fancy free no. it wasn't fun or fancy, and I for paid me, it uh, was five dollars for it. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't free for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was free for Renee. <laughs> Stevie, right. what you got next, Lois? Uh, let's see. At number fifty-five, I have one that we all. I, I mean, Pap, I know you and I saw in elementary school. Um, this is Melody Time, which the one segment we all saw in school was the Johnny Appleseed segment. Um, yeah, I just I'm not a big fan of these package movies at all. Okay, like, I have especially Melody, like I have Melody Time a little higher. I have it at 46. Forty six. Why do you have it so much higher? Uh, I like Little Toot. I like the Andrews Sisters. I like uh, <laughs> Blame It on the Samba. I think that's good. Uh, and then oh, those Andrews Sisters can sing. They really can. I mean, it's very it's lower bottom of these. It's not great. But it's also mm. better than Fun and Fancy Free or the other one that we'll talk about soon. I mean, Renee, what did you think? It's so I have it forty-eight. It's 
down there? Because there was a couple segments that I really liked. And when I looked at it as a whole, the ones I didn't like kind of brought it down. But mm-hmm. I remember Johnny Appleseed as my youth, so it has a little bit of that nostalgia for me that still holds. That's what I was hoping for, too. Like, when I saw Johnny, I was like, oh, cool. And then the rest just didn't really jive with me, especially, like, the Pecos Bill parts. No, it's and that's a very racist <laughs> segment, too. Yeah. And that's, like, the other thing about, like, Melody Time and, like, Make Mine Music are, like, these are, like, buried by the Walt Disney Corporation, but, like, there's still no word on it if those will be included in Disney+. Plus, and, like, you can't just, like, buy these on YouTube or anything. They're, like, you have to watch, like, the clips on YouTube. It's mm-hmm. very tough. And, like... The thing about Melody Time, too, is I actually bought the DVD off eBay. That's where I had to find it. And then I was really pissed. There's no connective through line. Like, there, there's a narrator at the beginning, but there's no, like, character, like, bouncing from story to story or something. They're just really, like, individual clips. Oh, yeah. Like, how, fan- like how Fantasia has, you know, Leopold and, and, like, kind of going in between all the things. Like, this is just a free-for-all. You're right. It really isn't, like, stitched together that great at all. And I don't know if, like, that fact, like, without having, like, a solid narrator or just one single character to focus on makes it boring. But to me, it just, I don't know, it didn't hold, it didn't sit with me well. Ready for my next lowest one? Yeah, what number are you at? Okay, this is still my 55. This is Make Mine Music. This is another package film. This is from April of 46. Melody Time was 48. Fun and Fancy Free was 47, so this is like the first of these package films. Where's on your guys' list? I have that at 50. I'm at 51. Uh, I mean, did you guys like anything about it, or did, did any of these like stand out to you? Um, is that the... I'm trying to remember all these. There's so many different segments in them. Is that the one with like the two people like in the winter at the very beginning? Uh, I think so... Or is that that's Melody Time? This has the the Hatfields and the McCoys and the Martins and the McCoys. Um, yeah, and Casey at the bat and yeah, two hats fall in love. And there's Peter and the Wolf section too. Do you, I yeah. like the Peter and the Wolf one kind of. That was it was a stronger of the set. I probably like the Peter and the Wolf one the best. The one that kind of annoyed me was the two hats that fall in love was oh. um, Johnny Fedora and Alice Blue Bonnet. It's yes. so annoying. I <laughs> thought that was so annoying. I was like, well, I'm really just waiting for this one to end. I think the whale wanted to sing was probably the low, like, brought it down. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. It's 14 minutes long, and it's the most one of the most depressing things I've ever seen in a Disney movie. <laughs> and it also doesn't help, like, the animation on these, like, isn't strong at all compared to, like, where Disney started, like, year, like a decade before. Yeah. It's almost like they were getting, like, worse. I mean, Jack Kenny's name is on it. He's not a primary uh, director on it. No, I don't know which of these segments he did. Um, maybe Casey at the Bat, but that's even that one's, like, grating to me. Like, they don't, it's not a full-on interpretation of the poem, which is kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. It starts off, like, verbatim, and then, like, doesn't become verbatim, and that's <laughs> so frustrating. <laughs> I hate every choice in this. And again, no through line. Uh, to connect it. But that was my 55 uh, Make Mine Music. Renee, what you got? So my 52 is a little dog named Bolt. <laughs> uh, I hate Bolt. That's my 51. That's my 52. That's perfect. So we're all right in the same <laughs> target. It might go. Uh, it's 
Okay, I am a huge fan of Grease, but John Travolta just sinks it in this one. Oh my gosh. He's terrible. Completely. And the whole thing's kind of like cynical. I do like the hamster. The hamster cracked me up. I love the pigeons, dude. Yeah. Oh, the pigeons were funny. That's the only funny part about that movie is when they come up to him, they're like, I know this dog. Where do I know this dog? <laughs> Have you seen the man with the green eye? <laughs> you know, I gotta say something. If I could say something here, you look familiar. Joey, look at this guy's mug. Yeah. You know, I could have sworn I've seen this guy before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta tell you, I never forget a face. He never does. Oh, yeah, yeah. Never. That part cracks me up, but as far as like, isn't Miley Cyrus in this one? Yeah, she's the main girl, right? And she's like a star or something. That's she, like the she's whole just plot. an actress. And the dog thinks when he's saving the world, he's actually saving the world, which is played by John Travolta, which was not a smart choice. If you guys like get into like Disney lore, there are some Disney historians who consider this the the turning point for the studio and the end of like the second Dark Age or the beginning of the New Renaissance because this was uh, Creeper John Lasseter's first. Um, movie as studio head oh was that when he started yeah this was his first one or it was like in flight and he took it over halfway through or something okay he didn't save it at all no (laughs) no and it's like this is right in between meet the robinsons and princess and the frog and i I really don't like watching this movie i think like also bolt is one of those movies that disney tried to bury because like i never see it anywhere in the parks or just like it being brought up, like this is the tenth year anniversary of Bolt. You don't ever see it. Disney knows it's that bad. <laughs> November twenty eighth, two thousand eight, tw- uh, eleven years ago, almost exactly. I think it was their Thanksgiving Day push, and it probably tanked. That came out during. Th- I thought it came out during the summer. No. Wow. It's, it was a Thanksgiving. They're trying to do the grab. Yeah. Yeah. Not a good movie. No. This must be really fun for our audience to hear a shit on all the worst Disney movies. We'll get to the ones we like, we promise. <laughs> to the person whose favorite Disney movie is Bolt, I'm sorry, but not my cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, we gotta keep it real. Oh, we will throw down when we get to the higher numbers. There's gonna be some contestant. <laughs> It'll be contested. Is it Renee up? Or no? No, no I, is it me? I, 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 I slaughter the dog. It's you. Okay, I think it's me. Oh my god. The next one... <laughs> The next movie I have was a movie that even as like, even when I saw it in theaters, I knew this movie is really bad. And it coming in at the very bottom, near the bottom at 54 is Home on the Range. Ah, that's my 53. Perfect. So close. It's just the two of you, not me. Okay. You never saw Home on the Range? No, it's sitting right here on my table. Again, no reason to. Um. No reason to. This... I mean, I don't know where they were going with it. I mean, this is at a time when they were pushing, like, Cuba Gooding Jr. being, like, a huge voice lended to this movie. And it's just not fun at all to watch. Yeah, it's one of the most grating voice casts ever. with Like, Roseanne Barr and Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah! The only redeeming quality is the villain, I think. And that's John Goodman? Mm -hmm. Is he the villain in this? Yeah. And there's, like, this whole, like, pink elephants throwback to Dumbo segment and it's it's really good but it's like this uh, diamond ring in the middle of this giant dog turd it's just so or cow pie I should say it's just so bad and cynical and the pop songs again and ugly animation it was a dark time 
2004 to be a Disney fan. Yeah, it just, I don't know. Like, I remember seeing this in theaters and leaving with my sister going, yeah, that um, that wasn't very enjoyable at all. Because, I mean, there's some big names in here. If I remember, yeah, Judy Dench is in it. Cuba Gooding Jr. at the time was big. Steve Buscemi, Roseanne Barr. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just not a good movie at all. So it's stacked with voice casts, but yet that nothing. That could also be its downfall, too, when you think about it. Because, like, if I think Disney did this quite a bit during this run post Lilo and Stitch or even a little before where it was like if we push the uh, the voice talent kind of like um, is it Illumination Studios that does like uh, Secret Life that? of Pets and Minions and- yeah Minions, Minions. where it's, it's kind of like they push the voice cast more than the story um, they really did that with Home on the Range not a good movie at all won't watch it again all the characters are really unlikable, too. That's another mm-hmm. downfall. Of yeah, movie. more Renee, true any... jokes, lazy story. Renee, do you have any questions on Home on the Range since you've never seen it and it's sitting right in front of you before you pop it in? Uh, as I'm staring at it uh, with all the cows. Um, are the, ch- yeah. the two cute little chickens, are the little <laughs> baby chickens funny? Like They're not bad. I mean, I, I, like I said, all the characters are kind of annoying. Like, I don't like any of them from the kung fu pigs mm. or the annoying cows or the cuba gooding jr horse like they're just all they're all really unlikable and that's a big problem yeah. in these kind of movies like i'll still probably watch it for. just to complete the list and the animation is lacking so i'm gonna go to uh my number 54 my next lowest on the list is the movie that came out the year before oh, no. joaquin phoenix and brother bear <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix. I have that at number 53. I Let's talk about it. don't have it. Oh. Again, you're not missing anything. You're literally not missing You're it's really a, not. It's very short. It's a very short film. It's a very disjointed film, too, right? Like, what? It's it's a, it's a classic uh, human getting turned into animal story, right, Stevie? Yeah, so, long story short, um, the hunter... Uh, kills this bear and ends up turning like into a bear himself and then he runs into a cub bear who is the son of the mother bear he just killed and throughout the movie he must redeem himself music by Philadelphia Collins uh, the less yeah, successful really, of his two outings from, <laughs> yeah from really pushing that Tarzan soundtrack uh, I don't think Brother Bear had the same success very like <sighs> I feel like the stretch that Disney went on in the early to mid two thousands is all at the bottom for me. It's got a it's got a late Mc, Rick Moranis appearance. One of the like only movies he did, you know, post retirement. Oh, the was, Canadians uh, joke. Yeah, they're like the two mooses are like Canadian. Mm-hmm. Hey, wait, 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 C- come back! I'm trying to find where the lights. Oh, he getting all worked up about it. Gee, I don't know. Maybe the goose pooped on him. Eh? It's one of the most forgettable movies too. Like it's. It's so telegraphed. It's so, it's like such a movie that you've seen a thousand times before. Like there's really nothing to glean out of it. And I remember like I think it was about a year and a half ago, two years ago, there was like a Reddit post that like went went semi viral and now you'll see it like every couple months. But like basically they had this scene where uh like these um Inuit people are they're singing songs and the language that they use is just totally like made up gobbledygook, <laughs> not Inuit. Not at Inuit all. at so all. It's just, 
So she's like so disrespectful to like, you know what I mean? Like Disney's gonna put a movie in a certain culture. Nowadays they you respect that out of culture. All studios, Disney would be most respectful of that because of their track record. It wasn't that long ago. It was 2003. Like they should have known better at this point. But I mean, even I before know. like really exploding like PC culture, it's like, well, hey, if we're gonna like put a song there, wouldn't it be really cool if we like made it authentic? You would think so. But yeah, it's 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 offensive. I mean, but it's just more lazy. I mean, I don't even like want to say that it's offensive. It's just like, it's just so shitty to do that <laughs> to a culture. Like, oh, we'll give you a Disney movie, but we'll make your language gobbledygook. Like what? That, and like the voice acting wasn't good either. If I remember correctly, I think the the kid from the Bernie Mac show was like one of the lead voices. And at the time, I just not a fan of his voice. It's really yeah, I, yeah. It's definitely him. He played Coda. Um, no offense to you, Jeremy Suarez. I didn't like listening to your voice on this movie. That's all I got for it. Yeah, I don't have anything else. Renee, you have any questions on Brother Bear? No, I think I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, what's your next lowest then? Mine is number 50 with Saludos Amigos. Saludos Amigos. Yeah. Wonderful, educational, forceful propaganda. I have that at number 48. I have it at, I have it at 48 as well. Look at that. Jeez. Jeez. It is propaganda, Renee, but it was propaganda to fight the Nazis, so... Win-win? Not bad. <laughs> no. It's a boring <laughs> movie, too. Like, it's very boring. It has this whole, like, making of twist, too, right? Like, it shows, like, the yeah. artist going to South America. It shows, like, it's, like, the, did, yeah, like, the pencil drawing on it as well. Were you it's not like, creative enough just to come up with a story? <laughs> Why are you showing us the making of? I mean, I can see later on in films where this had influence because they were able to explore and try something new, but it still doesn't work. This doesn't hold up. How do you feel about Jose Carioca? It's his debut in these <laughs> <his> movies. <laughs> his next appearance is much better, I promise. Okay, that's all I got for Sol. Saludos, amigos. That's very catchy, though, that song. Yeah, now it's stuck in my head. Yeah, no, that was stuck in my head, and I didn't want it to be. <laughs> wow, I think I've actually gone. Let's see here. Yeah, my next lowest is uh, 51. Which, for those listening, might be a surprise to some, but I was so excited for this movie. Oh, no. And then when I saw it on Thanksgiving with Pappy, I was so disappointed. Coming in at a very low rate of 51 as Ralph breaks the internet. I have it at 52. That was the (sighs) one episode I was on, you jerks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Where do you have it, Renee? Where is it on your list? It's higher. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> it's a little bit higher. I'm, it's in the t- it's 29. 29. Okay, it's like you hit it like four. I would have felt really bad. No. <laughs> no. People just need to listen to that podcast, episode 190, and yeah. watch us have out and listen to my pure excitement and your guys' dread. I don't want to rehash the episode, but like, I think Stevie gave it a yes, I gave it a no, and you gave it a. Or Stevie gave it a soft yes, I gave it a no, and you gave it a, a yes, right? Correct. Like you love mm-hmm. the. You love the meta commentary. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. And that's why it's higher rank for me, is just the depth of the meta and the whole Disney princess sequence just had me. I think I had it low, because maybe I just, I had too high of expectations for it, because how how high I hold 
um, near dear in my heart, uh, Ralph, just Wreck-It Ralph. And from the trailers and everything coming out, I was like, wow, this movie's going to be amazing. Disney's on a roll. And I felt like it just kind of fell flat. And I felt like at times it was almost too meta versus what they could have done with an actual story. Um, one of my favorite Disney songs in a long time comes from this movie, and that's um, Slaughter Race. I thought Place that was a, Slaughter Race? Yeah. I thought that was a uh, beautiful, beautiful song. I was hoping they were going to go for the Oscar for that song, too. So did I. I thought it was a very catchy song. the only thing I'll say about Ralph Breaks the Internet, and we said it before, is I just don't think that, like, the apologizing disney does is is genuine i think i talked about my next lowest which is my number 50 on that episode we'll kind of like segue but like you can't just throw pocahontas in there and pretend like everything's okay (laughs) like pocahontas 1995 is my number 50 and like its biggest sin is that it's boring. Its second biggest sin is that it turns uh, this Native American hero into a sex symbol. Um, and it's just not... It's just not great. Uh, and it's got the gay villain. It's got all of these like bad things about the 90s movies that I don't like. Stevie or, and Renee, where do you guys have Pocahontas? I have it a little bit higher. Um, not a ton. I have it at 43. Just I'm at because, 38. Oh, because I'm just around the river bend. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I have it so low is I feel like they took a... I feel like a lot of people don't know history now because of Pocahontas. Oh, yeah. No, she ruined the history. I feel like a lot of people don't know the history of like the actual story itself. The music is good. Outs- I mean... Pap, are you mad at savages? No. I, and... I would say that the only problem that I have with savages is uh, <laughs> that, like, it's trying to say that, like, you know, both sides had flaws. Like, it's like the the the, the native people call the new the settlers savages. It's like, see, <laughs> like, look, like, there's good and bad on both sides. It's just like there's a pretty bad a lyric there take. where um, Radcliffe goes, "Barely even human." Like, oh, Oof. yeah better over the top i will say this mel gibson does a fine job before he lost his mind who else is in it isn't there someone else famous in it too vanessa uh, is that Vanessa Williams? but it was like joseph joseph gordon lovett is in it too am i wrong in that no christian bale christian bale that's who i'm thinking he of. plays yeah. thomas yeah i think he's the one that shoots uh Cocoum, uh mel gibson's rival this was the first movie i ever saw in theaters guys Pocahontas. was it really or the first movie I can remember seeing in theaters, I should put it that way. The first one I have like a distinct memory of being in the movie. Is well, I'll say this. It does have a really good voice cast. It has, uh, let's see, Mel Gibson has a longtime Disney voice, Billy Connolly. Um, yeah. He's in a ton of Disney movies, including Brave, one of my favorites. And, uh, yeah, a young Christian Bale. I think fresh the off crazy- the newsies at that point. The crazy thing about Pocahontas is the studio thought 
this was going to be their Oscar winner. Like, best that was their picture A-team. winner. Yeah, they were going for it. And I mean, Renee, it sounds like it fell short for you, too. I, do you have anything to add to, to Pocahontas? I, there's there's some good animation stuff with like the leaves in the wind, mm-hmm. but it's the story itself is where it's lacking. But I still like rock out into my car to the songs from it. To Renee's credit, it does have a really good soundtrack. I mean, Colors of the Wind is a really good song. Pixie Bummer, rock out to your next lowest movie. What you got? I don't know if you want to rock out to Treasure Planet or not. No. That is forty nine. <laughs> Oh, why, why do you make those noises? <laughs> oh, I have that much higher. Is that a steely I, 29? Oh, I, I have it at 43. <sighs> episode 223 of Spoilers. Not my best episode, all I was a tad unprepared when I hosted, but I like this movie a lot just because I think I want it to be good even when it falls short. Pixie, what don't you like about it? I don't understand why there's barnacles on the in space <laughs> like <laughs> Pixie Katzenberg <laughs> things just don't make sense but it just wasn't a good follow up to the the other series that it's in part of I I am with you there and I'll say this I think it's uh, I said this on the episode if you turn off the dialogue I think it's like way better <laughs> just to watch on <laughs> the contemporary pop culture references I mean go Delbert's when I come back to Martin Short's performance is grating and terrible in the movie it looks, it looks cool. amazing it's an interesting idea the animation was so good it's just so expensive and a lot of people lost their jobs and were fired over this movie and or had to leave the studio permanently um I've told Pappy this before. I think this works so much better if it's a female named Jamie Hawkins versus Jim Hawkins, an angsty older teen boy. Oh, that's interesting. Why what is Musker and Clements's deal like they like think the the protagonists on the like past adolescence, like the teenage protagonists, you know what I mean? Like Aladdin, mm-hmm. Little Mermaid sixteen, Jim Hawkins is a late teen, like they do even Moana's like kind of, you know, coming into womanhood I, it, it, they're hit or miss i guess i'll put it that way in that portrayal yeah i just i mean i really think they should have gone with the female versus you know surfing arrogant joseph gordon levitt as jim hawkins i think it would have worked so much better and also i think it didn't help that the characters were so ugly like a lot of them were hard to look at <laughs> mikey really hated that <laughs> on that episode of just how ugly the characters were. It's got a terrifying death though when the the first or the Long John Silver's assistant guy like floats up into space. That is one of the most scary Disney deaths ever. But it's completely undone by Long John Silver's face in the stars. <laughs> one of the cheesiest <laughs> endings. That and who was the um who was the the big band at the time that had like two singles on that movie? <sighs> They're so bad. It wasn't like BB Mac. I don't think it was. We'll look at we'll look it up. Renee, what else do you do? You remember about Treasure Planet? Anything? Anything interesting? No, because that's the point, and I did not listen to that episode that you guys did either. It's it's not a great episode, but I like the movie. The Goo Goo Dolls. I'm still you. The Goo Goo Dolls. You're right. Oh, that's at the time. Wow. Very. Um. Yeah, and when did this come out? This came out right after Lilo and Stitch and before Brother Bear. So very on par with the run they went. And I think the only reason I like that movie is probably... I mean, I said this in the episode too. The third act is 
very forgettable and easily like you get bored with it. But I think I just like really the relationship between Long John and Jim, and that's about it. Okay, coming in at number 47 is The Sword in the Stone. Wow. Yes. Pat, what do you have it at? I'll find it. You have 35 and I have 34. Why do you guys have it? Um, I guess it's middle of the road. Um, what do you like about it, Pap? Um, I like Archimedes quite a bit. This is one I, I saw a lot on a kid. We had it taped from the Disney Channel. So, like, I watched it back on Amazon and, like, I was used to seeing, like, interruptions in the playback <laughs> and they weren't there. Like, those have been coded into my brain. Like, one of those things. But, like, it's a loose story. It reminds me a lot of The Little Mermaid, which we'll talk about, where there doesn't, there's, not much of a, there's not much of a central conflict. It just seems to be, you know, scene to scene and that's uh, young Arthur being basically transformed into different animals um, yeah. a fish and a squirrel and, and everything. Uh, Renee, what do, you, what do you remember about it? I like the animal transformation there just wasn't a, t- a ton about Arthur and the sword so I can kind of s- I can see how you can get there from that It's also very anticlimactic too, like he pulls out the sword takes it to the duel and then they have to put the sword back in and, and take it out again it's like oh yeah, <laughs> this is really just secondary some great animation like the, the magic in it I mean I like that part of it with Merlin and I think it was Madame something Madame Nim there Madame it is Nim, okay. where they're changing the different animals and then he becomes a yeah. germ and that's how he wins and she's a dragon not my cup Pap what you got Alright, uh, that was from 1963. My next one is much more contemporary, going all the way back to before my time, 1988, and that's Oliver and Company, uh, Billy Joel. My number 47. Where, where do you guys got it? 46. I have that at 44. Okay, so we're all we're on the same boat that Disney's telling of Oliver Twist isn't really that great. No, it's not. And this bothered me also in a non-Disney movie, dinosaur movie called We're Back. But I feel like really heavy New York accents annoy the hell out of me on animated films. Oh, they were trying to be very of the geography with that. Very. Billy Joel is so bad. Yeah, and I remember seeing this as a kid in Florida, actually. I was on spring break with my parents. I remember walking out of that going, not... Because I think they re-released it for like its 10-year anniversary. And this was in 98. And I didn't love it coming out of that either. I don't know why. I just There's other dog-focused movies in Disney that are way better than Oliver and Company. I'm trying to think of who I liked. There was one character... Who I did like. It's like the Duchess dog or the 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 rich dog. Uh, what mm. the fuck is her name? Uh, Rita. Rita. Yeah, she's not bad. Cheryl Re- Cheryl Lee Ralph is the actress. Uh, wait a second. No, that's that's the girl dog. What is the oh, name okay. of? So 
there's... Uh, are we talking about the other one? Yeah, the rich dog. I know that. A young Joey Lawrence played Oliver. Huh. So you didn't like it so much that you blocked out with the voiceover. Yeah, I really did. Georgette, played by Bette Midler. Sorry. There we go. Georgette <laughs> there is the rich go. dog. Found it. Yeah. <laughs> I liked her, but she's Bette Midler. So, Renee, what, what do you got next lowest? So, following up, the last one I did is similar, but it's 47, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Oh, got I that. I promise you guys we didn't look at each other's list. I have that at 46. I have it at 42, but I don't hate it. We're, we're to the point where I kind of like these movies in my list. These movies in this section are all three-star movies for me. And so it was a matter of which of the three stars do I like the most and like the least. So this section was difficult. Atlantis is a very different movie, too. Like, no music. I don't know. Weird ending. Crazy ending. Kind of a scary ending when you think about Michael it. Michael J. Fox. That's my movie. Okay, Milo, don't take no for an answer. Look, I have some questions for you, and I'm not leaving the city until they're answered. Yeah, that's it. That's good. That's good. Michael J. Fox, and I think the one of the reasons I have it lower is because not a lot of the characters are super likable. Like, typically you have, like, a villain, and then you can go from there to, like, characters you like. And I feel like a lot of, like, the team that was with Michael J. Michael J. Fox when they were going to Atlantis just wasn't... They weren't very likable. This has one of the craziest Disney deaths, though, doesn't it? Like, he gets, like, shattered. Yeah, into, it goes, like, yeah. through his body and out his eyes, and then he shatters. It's pretty violent. I love it. I mean, it's hit or miss in a lot of ways, but like, like Renee said, it's a three-star movie. I, I would put it on and be happy. I always forget there was no music in that movie. Okay. Wow. I thought this is actually kind of a nice. Coming in at number 45 was a movie that was so heavily re-edited, and it was almost the driving force that shut down all Disney animation, and that would be The Black Cauldron. <gasps> Hey. Mine is 45. I got it at 44. <laughs> wow. Right with you. Yeah. Um, this is kind of a crazy story, but this movie was in development hell forever. And when they were like animating it and going to finish it is when Eisen, um, Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg came in. And <laughs> on the first day of his job... Jeffrey Katzenberg was in the editing room behind all the animators' backs cutting what he didn't like out of an animated movie. And animated movies do not work that way at all. You can't just edit them after post-editing. They're typically editing's done, like, during storyboards. Mm -hmm. And that's why this movie just seems very unfinished. It's a very disjointed feeling movie, but I think the content that's in there isn't that bad. It reminds me a lot of, like, the animated Lord of the Rings like uh movie that came out it's like a darker medieval disney movie i just love the aesthetic but mm-hmm. the story's a little choppy and i like how disney finally allowed themselves there's a couple there's like maybe two or three movies where they have darker themes and this one was people refer to it as like disney's dark era with this film 
where they tried something new and they were gonna take a gamble on it. And it worked, but it didn't work. People who love it absolutely love it. I think it's one of those Oh yeah. Hit or miss. It's okay or you love it. Well it's also I mean, Stevie, you've been I've never been to a Disney park, but like it's it's buried in Disney history, right? You don't see It's 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 twelve feet under, man. You don't even know that the black cauldron exists if you're in a park. Yeah, it's in the tunnels. <laughs> Really, there's a gatekeeper making sure no one goes to find it. Like, it's that buried. Um, I remember seeing it as a kid, and I forget his name. Was it the Horn King, or the Horn... Was it the... What was I think name? it's the Horn King. Yeah, the Horn King was absolutely terrifying to me. And I remember there's, like, some clever parts, too, with the dialogue. Like, the dialogue's not bad, either, and the character interactions are pretty good. But it's just, like we said, the story is just kind of like... Wait, what? <laughs> A couple times. Yeah, and it kind of came down to a point where they were like, either we're gonna just going to lose all this money or we have to release it. And they just, at that point, just had to release it. Almost killed the studio. Yeah. Uh, <gasps> John Hurt did the Horn King's voice. And uh, Musker and Clemens worked on it too, right? Like, they were involved in the project mm-hmm. somehow, but uh, didn't direct. Uh, my 45 is... One I just watched that features three of the nine old men and Don Bluth. Speak about him, talking about a movie that doesn't like really fit together. Uh, 1977's The Rescuers. Uh, what do you guys have that? I have that at 42. 44. Right in the same ballpark. Uh, Renee, what do you think about The Rescuers? As a child, I remember loving the concept of it. The fact that we're like, you know, had the lady she puts her eyes up to like the gems and you can like see mold eyeballs it was crazy I remember watching it all the time as a kid on VHS like I watched The Rescuers all the time I thought it was the coolest thing and it's also one of those movies where you just can't watch it as an adult cause I mean it has a pretty greasy concept when you think about it two very like ugly on the inside and outside people are gonna kidnap this little girl and it also goes on like on the fact that like the animation truly isn't there like it just looks kind of sloppy sloppy and hastily put together but the one scene that always stands out to me on this movie is when Medusa's riding her pet alligators as water skis oh at the very end mm-hmm yeah that's like seared into my brain it's a very bizarre concept like these mice are gonna like well it starts off with like the United Nations of mice and then they're like <laughs> gathering to meet about like Penny like this one random girl in the bayou who's in trouble and like a lot of great scenes too with like the the albatross who climbs him down Ollie or whatever his name is like oh yeah I don't know, I like some that good one. stuff cute. Renee what you got next on your list 43 is a three caballeros what <gasps> Is it higher for you guys? That's my 13. Oh, throwing down so far. Where do I have it? I have three caballeros at number 20. I don't know. So I wasn't like overall impressed with it. I mean, I like the fact that like Donald Duck was highly featured, but it just didn't. I didn't think it was a masterpiece or anything. My profile picture across all social media <laughs> is Donald Duck from this movie uh, when he's like going crazy at the end. I, 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 okay, I'm with you. I don't love like the cold-blooded penguin. I don't love like even the goofy one. But like, you belong to my heart when he's like dancing with that real life woman. It's mm-hmm. kind of like Mary Poppins. Like, 
through the end where it gets super surreal that's like my favorite stuff in disney so that, that's like really what redeems the film and also yeah like you said pap like when they animate with real live action people it reminds me of um anchors away with uh jerry the mouse and i forget who that dancer was Do you remember uh oh yeah 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 um, and anchors away i know you're talking about though yeah you look that up i mean yeah it's it's got again Jose uh, Carioca again, uh, Brazilian mm. Disney icon. Which is I think it's is this the sequel to Saludos Amigos? I think basically because it still had that South American influence to it, but it was it was better. It just wasn't enough for me. Yeah, no, I feel you. And also had Panchito Pistoles, <laughs> right? Who I think is the funniest out of all of the Cavaleros. He's the, he's the other bird, right? The mm-hmm. That, and they're, like, super heavily featured at Epcot. If you ever go, like, on the Mexico boat ride, the three caballeros are everywhere, and it's hilarious. What year was that? That was 19... When it was released? Released in 44. 44, yeah. Okay, so World War II movie. The last of the package films. Mm-hmm. My number 41 is probably going to tick some listeners off. I already haven't. But I have number 41 at 90s movie Hercules. Oh, interesting. What do you have it at? 40. Nice. Same ballpark. I know. A surprise. (laughs) There's a shock in my voice. Pat, what do you have it at? Oh, sorry. I have it at 36. Like in kind of like what Renee and Pap were saying earlier, I don't hate this movie. It's just kind of hard to start ranking these movies, which one you like more. I think Danny DeVito is absolutely hilarious in this movie. Same with James Woods. Very funny. Uh, It's a solid 90s movie. Not my favorite. And also, I think it was like the last big song for for Michael Bolton with um, I Can Go the Distance. It's very dark at the end. I remember that from being a kid. Like... It goes from being like this commentary on celebrity yeah. to like he's about to lose her. She's about to lose her soul. Like mm-hmm. it ter- scared the shit out of me at the time. I did like Hades as a villain. I thought that was bringing in different elements really well. Name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? My forty-three is one from nineteen ninety, the sequel to the one I just talked about, The Rescuers Down Under. Uh, where do you guys have The Rescuers Down Under? I have that at 38. I have 33. Ballpark in it here. Yeah. I mean, it's it's way better than The Rescuers. It's got better characters. It's better animation. From the 1990s, use of CGI, the same core voice cast of uh, Ava Gabor and uh, what's his name? Oh, it's so bad. Newhart? Yeah, Bob Newhart. But uh, I mean, yeah, it doesn't. It's also really weird, too. It's, it's weird that this is the first movie they chose to make a sequel of, and they're like 70 years studio history at the time. I love um, George C. Scott as McLeach. He has the scariest voice. Did you take one of my eggs? Go in your mouth. Ah. These are not Joanna eggs. Great death, too, as he goes over the waterfall. Great death. Uh, great intro. Oh, yeah, going through the flowers. Yeah, when they're like zooming through the flowers and they just like giant letters throw on rescuers down under. Like it's a really cool intro. Typically sequels don't improve. As as we learned with Ralph Breaks the Internet, 
sequels tendly <laughs> aren't tended to be above the original, but this one, I think, because their animation was more up in um, as time sequels was going. I think they improved upon it, and I was surprised I liked it more. Like I actually went and bought the two pack of the two of them on Blu-ray. Oh, nice. So I can revisit them. They're fun characters. Like I said, in the flight to Australia, you got John Candy as the new albatross who's finding them down there. Like, he does really well, too. And that, but I remember, like, the scene where he's in the hospital and, like, the nurse mice are, like, working on him always terrified me <laughs> as a kid. It's so creepy. <laughs> but, yeah, that was my number 43. 42 is a 2011 version of Winnie the Pooh. Okay, I have that at number 37. I have mine... 34. Okay, so I watched both Winnie the Poohs back-to-back. So I think that's what pushed it further down on my list, because I saw the original Winnie the Pooh. The voices? The distinct voice change, the animation. Christopher Robin looked a little different because of modern animation. Um, The inclusion of the still are, like reality to begin with i was like wait a minute no (laughs) bring me back in (laughs) to the true animation and they still use the storybook um mentality through telling the story from the original but it just wasn't it wasn't that good it's the shortest one on this list it's only 63 minutes long oh i was excited is that all it is yeah it's so short i realized that i mean it's cute i remember being cute but like kind of rehashes another like Pooh movie that I remember from my childhood, like where Christopher Robin goes to school. And that's like it's the whole the central conflict thing. of this one. There's right? so yeah. many Winnie the Pooh ones. The Baxen is they they use that from a previous movie I watched as a kid. Right, because he was going to school and they thought it was school, and then here it's like he'll be yeah. back soon. And I think it's back son. Like, thank you for bringing that up. I thought I was losing my mind. I was like, I swear I saw this as a kid. I love Winnie the Pooh, but like at this point, this like story is just trite from that character and then like Renee said the voices are too different from what I remember as a little kid tie them together piglet can you tie a knot I cannot ah so you can not no I cannot not 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 who's there Pooh. Pooh who no Pooh with piglet you'll need more than two knots not possible. Ah, so it is possible to knot those pieces. Not these pieces. Yes, not those pieces. Why not? Because it's all for not. Oh, dear. I wonder if it was just a cash grab because they have so many Winnie the, Winnie the Poohs out. And little children love it. I love the ride at Disneyland. Like, it was fabulous with the Heffalumps. But this one, I'm like, where are the Heffalumps? There are none. I'm with you. I think it was kind of a cash grab too especially do you guys remember the piglet movie that came out i never watched it but i remember it happened yeah you don't have i mean it's very much so a cash grab yeah and this is a summer release too so they're trying to take advantage of all the kids being out for summer Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing i think one of the important things to remember about winnie the pooh is it's literally one of the most profitable intellectual properties of all time but that's driven almost exclusively by the merchandise like think about how many pooh and like Piglet and Tigger shirts that you've seen. Like, it's literally like one of the so biggest franchises many. you could possibly own. I had a Tigger shirt in middle school. So, like, they just need to like put out a movie every so often to keep it in the public, public consciousness. And I think that's kind of what, which what they, this was. Which they did. <laughs> which With, they did. <laughs> what was it? Chris, it was Christopher Robin, which is out um, 
available now, and it was Ewan McGregor was Christopher Robin as an adult, and it got nominated for a um, Oscar for computer graphics. Up was at, it good? Up, up against end, like Endgame, like both of them were up for the same category, and I was like, "Ooh, this is gonna be tight." And I saw all of them in that uh, category, and it. I watched it with my six-year-old nephew, and he had a blast. He had no references. That was his entry point to Winnie the Pooh. Wow. And he was just laughing his little butt off, and he was <laughs> so excited about all of them. And then they included Tigger's song, which was in this movie, too. And thankfully, you know, Tigger does what Tigger does and bounces. And so my nephew was bouncing around the living room, and it was just great. But this one still wasn't as good as that, though. That's what's really disappointing yeah very short release yeah let's see here coming in at number 40 was a movie that always scared me as a kid and still kind of, I mean, it doesn't frighten me now but it's just a dark movie and that is the hunchback of notre dame Ooh, i have that much higher like 22 higher oh no <laughs> i have that at 38 so i'm in the yeah. same kind of ballpark it has some good themes in it. It has underrated uh, some characters that you just don't expect. I don't know. Topsy Turvy always makes me sad. Like when he's out in the middle just getting hit by tomatoes and stuff. It's just a sad part. Yeah. That's... And then the Frollo character is super dark. Mm-hmm. I like that it went dark with them. The themes are darker. It went dark and it also Quasi didn't get the girl at the end. <laughs> I kind of like that though. Because Disney always sells this happy ending where the prince and princess end up together in the marriage. I know. And he was the lead, and he didn't get Esmeralda. And I actually like the fact that Disney didn't give us that. I do wish it is darker, though, but I wish they stayed in the darkness. Like, it's got kind of the same thing I was talking about in Hercules, where it's, like, unevenly dark. And it's got, like, mm-hmm. moments of extreme levity. And, like... I would also kind of raise the same concerns I have with Pocahontas. Like, it's extremely sexualizing this uh, Romani, a.k.a. Gypsy, you know, character. Whereas Very much so. Yeah. Especially doing a song like Hellfire. You're like, wow. All right. <laughs> All right. So, unless you guys have anything else to say about uh, uh, Hunchback, my number 41 is The Princess and the Frog from... 2009. Where do you guys have that? I have that at 35. 31. Very average to me when you say Stevie. It is average, but I think it has some rewatchability to it. It's a funny movie. John Goodman as Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Then you also have Dr. Uh, Facilier. Um, I think the heart, the funniest part of that entire movie is when the uh, big croc is talking about how he used to play with the grades and it shows him on that riverboat. Oh, right. Like yeah. When he jumps on and everybody takes out their guns and starts shooting him. That's the best part of that whole movie. But there's also some good music to it. I think it's a good movie. My husband didn't like this because it was um, in the Cajun, in like the voodoo stuff. And I just looked at him and go, it's Disney. Deal with it. <laughs> it showed the... <laughs> Girls just weren't teenagers either. They actually were more adult. Mm-hmm. People with dreams. Another teenage protagonist from Musker and Clemens too. Uh, and Friends on the Other Side is a scary song. Oh, it's really scary, and he gets dragged to hell. That's how he dies. Yeah, the yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say, uh, Pappy Justice Warrior. I do think it's funny that like the 
Disney's like, okay, we'll have a black uh, princess, and then they make her a frog for two thirds of the movie. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a fucked up thing to do. They tried. Very much so. They tried. Sure. And the sure, prince Naveed, he was a frog for like most of the whole thing too. Fair point. All right, Pixie, what do you got uh, next? Uh, forty-one is Tarzan. Where are you? Thirty-seven for me. So what I when I, I went twenty-one. To, oh goodness! Whoa. Way up there, Philadelphia. Uh, when I went to Disneyland a couple of years ago, I went to the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. It was that there, and Tarzan had completely replaced, and they redecorated it for Tarzan, which represents a lot of things in Disney's evolution. <laughs> uh, but his treehouse is a really great place to watch the sunset at Disneyland because you're high up. You can see through the Matterhorn with the sun setting. Just a side note. Nice. Uh, but this one, I mean, it was cute, but it just wasn't, didn't have enough themes in it for me to keep it any higher. Phil Collins crushes it in this movie. Yeah, he does. The music's great, but again, like, one of the most violent deaths in any Disney movie. Very dark. Just okay. Just a shadow of him hanging there. I mean, I think it's a funny movie. Um, I like how they use deep animation in the beginning when he's kind of surfing all the trees. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was cool. I think, I mean... I don't think it was a step back in their animation department. I really like this movie, so that's why I have it at 21. I guess I, I don't think I like the story, but I like everything else around the movie, and I'm just not that interested in Tarzan as a character. You know what I mean? Like, he's this classic mm-hmm. film character who I have no, like, attachment to otherwise, other than being, like, famous. Let's see... At number 39 is a movie from way back when, and that would be The Aristocats. Oh. Mine's higher up. Yeah, I have 31 for that one. 21. Cats and Jazz, baby. (laughs) Yeah. It's a fine movie. Um, I don't have a whole lot against it. I just, I mean, I used to watch it all the time as a kid. I just think as we're getting deeper in those lesser, more movies that I I like more. Uh, Renee, what do you like about it? One of my favorite gifts comes from this movie, and it's like the little girl cat, like shaking her little bum. I use that all <laughs> oh, yeah. the time. I think Marie. she's just the most, yeah, Marie's just the most adorable thing. Uh, and there's, it, it reminded me of 101 Dalmatians a little bit in story. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it had and in that, style, too, with the jazz. Yeah, it did. They were very similar. But I really liked um, a lot of different, just cats and jazz. Oh, that's old me. I'm a simple woman. I'm right there with you. And, like, I, this was one that we had when I was a kid, too. And and Marie is kind of even, like, a pop culture icon, the little white cat. Like, you see her on mm-hmm. a lot of, like, T-shirts and even tattoos and stuff. A lot of gifts. Yeah. So my number 39 is one of the saddest Disney movies. I think it's just too over-the-top sad. Uh, Kurt Russell, The Fox no. and the Hound, number thirty-nine. What, what do you guys guys? Where do you guys got that? I have thirty-five. Okay. Oh, do I have? Twenty-seven. Stevie, why do you like The Fox and the Hound so much? Dude, <laughs> we had a lot of VHSs growing up, and I feel like this is the one that played a lot. Um, it is a sad movie, but 
I don't know. I like the way it ends. I mean, these are two people that like were best friends growing up and through circumstance, like had to drift apart. And even though like after all that time that like they've somewhat like become enemies, like Todd and, um, what's his name? Cooper or Copper? Copper. They still come together and like save each other. So big fan of this movie. I think this was the last one directed or like a nine old man was involved with Willie Reitherman's last movie, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's like an end of an era there. Renee, what do you remember about it? I grew up a little bit out in the sticks-ish, and so we had dogs growing up, and I just loved the idea of their friends first, and then, as Steve already mentioned, circumstance pulls them away. I mean, it wasn't as sad as Bambi, but it's still sad. Yeah, and it's just, I never want to watch it again. It's just too sad. It's just too sad. I don't have any reason to, to go back. Renee, what do you got next? Uh, 39 is Disney's attempt to make something better, but they failed with Fantasia 2000. Let's see. Oh, not too far off. I have that at number 30. I got that at 26. I think just the original Fantasia holds so much to me that when they tried to reboot it um, and they had Steve Martin as the intro, it just didn't. I mean, thankfully, Mickey was still in it with the sequence that I love, but that was in the original, so was it approved upon? Not a ton. Yeah, I'd say sequence for sequence. I mean, Fantasia is just way, way better. I do like the Rhapsody in Blue jazz one. The, really good. That one always stuck out to me. That one was delightful to have. And I really love the uh, Mother Nature sequence. This is one movie that I wish I had like gotten out to IMAX to see because I think it would like made my ranking higher. Pap, you saw this in IMAX, didn't you? Yeah, I remember seeing it with my family, like with my grandma and my mom and everything. I remember really liking it, but like I think some of the segments are just kind of forgettable. Like the whales, even the one with like the the toy soldier and they use like something from the nutcracker, but they don't relate mm-hmm. it to the nutcracker at all. Like that's kind of jarring. Um I don't know. It's hit or miss, but it's like Renee says, just a less good version of an all time classic. Alright. Let's see here. At number 36, now we're starting to kind of get somewhat into classic territory. I have Lady and the Tramp. That's my next lowest one at 33. Really? Yeah. I have it up at 30. Okay, so we're all bar- ballparking here. Um, mentioned earlier, like, it's better than Oliver and Company. I mean, it's heavily dog featured. Um, everybody knows that famous, like, spaghetti scene. And. How can I don't know, you I think not? It is relationship goals right there. It's been gift everywhere. Um, it's also got really racist cats, though. The Siamese yeah. song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, it's a fine movie. Not one of my favorites. Not my least favorites. Just very middle of the pack. Um, anything else? I like the song He's a Tramp by Peggy Lee. That's a good song. Mm-hmm. Underrated. Oh, yeah. And a very violent and scary ending. I don't know if you guys remember the ending, but it's terrifying. The, thun- the thunderstorm with all the lightning and the rain. Well, it's like the tramp like goes gets in like a fight, doesn't he? With like a uh, the raccoon with the, the yeah. raccoon thing, a weasel thing. Yeah, it's like an all-out dog fight. It's oh yeah, some Michael Vick shit. <laughs> all right, so my <laughs> next lowest staying in. We're going back to the '80s. Another Musker and Clements, their first one. Uh, the Great Mouse Detective, number 32. 
Mine's 36. I've been a bit higher at 26. Surprising how close we are on all of these. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of forgettable. Like a cool use of early CGI. Uh, the evil rat. What's his name? Radigan. Radigan, yeah. He was always really memorable. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just a good a good interpretation of Sherlock Holmes. Like nothing nothing crazy, but... But I always liked it as a kid. It's one of the better adaptations. I like yeah. how they live right below Sherlock. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's great. That beginning with um, when that bat kidnaps a daughter, or the kidnaps a daughter, is absolutely terrifying. Oh yeah. When he opens those cupboards, it's a pretty intense scene. And like everything, like with Big Ben, is like burned into my brain too. Like <laughs> all of that shit is bananas when I was a kid. Vincent Price plays a very very good villain. Thank you. Thank you. But it hasn't all been champagne and caviar. I've had my share of adversity. Thanks to that miserable second-rate detective, Basil of Baker Street. The next one is one of the old classics. It's a twofer. It's the Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. That's my next lowest. A 30. That's my next lowest. There's a reason why it's our next lowest. <laughs> so I remember the ride at Disneyland more than I remember the actual film. Yeah. Like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride mm-hmm. is just a trip. Yeah, it's a fun ride. I was really sad when they took that out of Disney World. But as far as like interpretations go, I like that wind in the willows uh, part. It's like got Bing Crosby or wait, who's it got? Uh, Bing Crosby's Bing the Crosby's narrator for the Chabot sequence. Okay, yeah, but I forget who's in the who plays Mr. Toad, but Mr. Toad's just like this manic, crazy dude throughout <laughs> that whole thing. It's, it's just wants to spend wild. all of his money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something new and shiny comes along, and guess where he's looking at? <laughs> I mean, it's so relatable to some people with their tech gadgets. But the the standout of the two is definitely the the wind in the or the the Sleepy Hollow one uh, to me. Brom Bones. Yeah, that song was creepy. Um, I kind of wish that. Um, the Ica- like Ichabod got like his actual like own movie instead of it being split with the Adventures of Mister Toad. I am a big fan of the Ichabod sequence. The other guy in Ichabod reminded me of like Gaston's Foundations as I was yeah. watching it. Yeah. I was like, I wonder if this is where some of Gaston came from. One hundred percent. I never. I always forget too that Ichabod in this interpretation is just like a man about town, if you will. It's a very funny. <laughs> There's a woman cooking, he'll be right there. <laughs> Pretty good. Probably the best, my favorite, uh, Sleepy Hollow interpretation. Stevie, what you got next? Um, Coming down the pipeline at number 33, uh, I think a lot of people will probably have this higher than I will, is uh, Peter Pan. It's my next one. What? You guys are killing me. I literally have a Tinkerbell tattoo on my shoulder. <laughs> but it's still it's still at 18 because there's a lot of other ones I thought that had stronger animation and story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Tinkerbell's my girl. She's a super classic character. I think it's just kind of like... Very Disney iconic. Yeah, and Captain Hook is really great too. I don't know. It's just something about like, the overall narrative flow just doesn't work as well for me. Even though like there's so many classic sequences. Yeah, it's a little bit of 
It's a moment. Steve, what do you like about Peter Pan? Or what do you not like about Peter Pan? I really love the I Can Fly sequence. Um, and I don't know, like, uh, I don't know why, but I just don't find Peter Pan that interesting. I always felt that way as a kid, and even now. Like, I know he's, like, supposed to be really cool, but I'm with, like, Renee on this one. I think Tinkerbell's way cooler. And I don't know. I think the standout of the whole movie is um, is uh, Mr. Smeegs. Oh, I love Smeegs. Well, at last, Kaepernick is coming to his senses. Odds fish! I told him all along you Indians wouldn't betray Peter Pan, but... And just what do you think you are doing, Mr. Smeegs? Just what you told me, Captain. <laughs> Carrying out your orders. <laughs> My order? Why, yes, Captain. <laughs> Didn't you just say to go... What's up, back, you blithering idiot? He's hilarious. And that's, like, probably, like, what I quote the most from this movie. And I think the rest, to me, is a tad forgettable. Peter Pan, better than Hook. The mermaids were bitches. <laughs> Those mermaids <laughs> did not like what they... They were... No. They were mean. So my next one is my 28, and I think uh, Renee and Steve are going to be pissed at me for this, but it's Tangled. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> I mean, I already gave you some fighting words earlier. Because I believe a good movie, I think man. Tangled is better than Frozen, to the point that it is going to be my next tattoo, and... I have it at my second. I have Tangled at 23. I rock out to those songs all the time. I cry when I see the lantern sequence. Like, and I relate to some of those mom issues in there. So for me, this is like deep in my soul. I mean, it's cute. I, and we're, like, we're to the point now where I don't dislike any of these movies. Like Pascal is one of my favorite uh, side animation characters of all time. But, or the Maximus? Um, yeah, he's up there too. Uh, I would say the other thing that I love about it, and I'm sure you guys love it too, is the lantern sequence. That's like one of mm-hmm. the most iconic. That's I mean, a tearjerker. That's the subject of my, my tattoo. Uh, it's It was um, Disney's 50th um, film that came out. Like, so it is stamped with that major number on it too. Well, it feels like a traditional uh... Uh, fairy tale story too you know what I mean like a real returning to that because this is like mm. 2010 this is coming off some rough years of movies and this is right when they're switching over into 3D animation outside of the renaissance and the new renaissance like they really made a huge switch with this one propelling them forward into their other um, 3D animation plus it connected to the Pixar acquisition too with the style of it mm-hmm some people assume it's Pixar, but it's not. Good movie. I mean, yeah. I don't mean I don't mean a slight by it. We're getting to the point now where we're we're parsing some of my favorite animated movies ever. <laughs> oh, I was ready to fight you on this. <laughs> what do you got next, Renee? Speaking of fighting. Uh, so next on my list, let me scroll down. It was we covered a lot of these. So like, as we go through the list, I'm like, oh no, we've done that one, that one. But the Emperor's New Groove is in at 32. Wow. wow. I, I gotta try and find it almost. I got it at 14. I had that at a steely 17. So do you want me to tell you why you're wrong, Renee? 
please, because I just told you how you're wrong earlier. <laughs> I just think it's one of the best, like, straightforward, like, straightforward comedies of any of these movies. Like, this and Aladdin and maybe some of the Wreck-It Ralphs are just, like, the most, like, slapsticky or, or silly uh, of any of these. And, like, it's just... I mean, it's like a crazy production story, right, Stevie? Like, it's it was all over the place, but where it landed, I I love it. I actually love it too. It's like short and to the point. Uh, Patrick Warburton's performance as Kronk is absolutely hilarious, and if you like watch the behind the scenes of where this started and what it ended up being, um, which you can see if you watch the documentary, I think it's called The Sweatbox on YouTube. Um, this movie, how it turned out, is brilliant. So yeah, one of my favorites. And absolutely hilarious. And this is the first movie to actually show somebody being pregnant. Like, Disney has an obsession with, you know, orphans. Big time. And kids losing their parents. Mm-hmm. But this was actually, like, you see a pregnant mother. Like, she, they even make reference to it. Like, it's pretty clear. And so that was big for Disney, but it took them how many years to finally get there? And to not, like, have a, an orphan? Quite a while. Yeah. That's a... A long time. That's a great point. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's like an outlier as far as even like genres go of these. Kind of like how uh, Sleepy Hollow is like the most scary. This is like the most silly to me. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why that's a special place in yeah. my heart. A friend of mine um, put like a thing, like only people who know Disney know what this is. And it was like Kronk's Potion. And I was just <laughs> laughing so hard because I knew what it was. So I put a gif of Kronk doing mission accomplished. I love the part when he's holding that vial and Yzma goes, can you feel it, Kronk? And he goes, oh yeah, I can feel it. Take it, Kronk. <laughs> feel the power. Oh, I can feel it. Maybe it's hysterical. What you got next? Uh, let's see here. Coming in at 32 is a movie that might break your heart, Pap, but it is Meet the Robinsons. Oh, I love that movie. Oh, mine's 28. I got that way up there. It's my 15. Why is it so high? I just love time travel movies. I love the heart. It's cute. Yeah, it's uh, the intro is really rushed, but yeah, once you get to the future, I love that family so much, and I love everything that happens in the future, and I think it's like a really well done uh, time travel movie. So for a while, I couldn't differentiate if it was like who he was within the story. I was like, and it took me a second. I'm like, wait, if I think it's doing this. But it's not like I had to like put things together to be like thinking where it's going. But there were a couple other clues they gave throughout that connected to earlier in the story that I was able like, oh, okay, no, I know what it is. But for once, it wasn't so obvious to me, and it could just be me. Steve, you have a profile picture of Meet the Robinsons right now of Mike Yagubian. He is so funny. The goobs. Uh, I wish he was in it more as a small child, just because his quips are hilarious. But I think the part that you like, Pap, is the part that I dislike, and that's like when he gets like with the Robinsons and the family. I don't know why, but that part annoys me because there's so many close-ups of the camera and it's so messy. And yeah. I have a thing with like mess on screen. <laughs> and yeah, it just kind of gives me chills watching it. I'm weird like that. Can't help it. One last note on Meet the Robinsons that I'll say is like, like I said, people say Bolt is the turning point for this studio, but I kind of think that this... This is this is mm-hmm. coming out in 2007. Like, it ends with this like some kind of statement talking about like looking forward to the future, 
and like doing better or something. It feels like they're like as a Walt Disney quote, and it feels like they're directly talking to the audience. Like, well, yeah, we'll try to make our movies less shitty from mm-hmm. now on. And I do <laughs> like was, that. This was a year and a half after um, the failure of Chicken Little came out. Right. That's quite a leap. Yeah. And it's way better. But okay, my number twenty-seven. I don't have a lot of high-ranking ones left, or, or all my high-ranking ones are pretty much left. Mine 27 is from 73, Robin Hood. Well, we folks of the animal kingdom have our own version. It's the story of what really happened in Sherwood Forest. I have that at 24. Uh, mine is we got in a fight on my uh, Facebook because I said I was watching it and they I have it ranked at 19 and I only gave it four stars and so like everybody was mad at me because I like I said I missed a star and how much they loved it and I was like it's my choice but what I did notice when watching it again for this is the use of shadow and light in the animation and how the, actually the color tone changed there was a blue tone and it was overcasting on the animation. Like, they actually changed the coloring to make it reflect them standing, you know, working in the shadows. And then it was really, I thought, an interesting take that I haven't normally seen. And, like, I think that the character design, and I think you've, I've seen you post about this too before, Renee, is that, like, it's borrowed a lot from Jungle Book, but it's still really Oh, I did good. say that. Well, yeah. somebody actually explained that to me on why. Because it was right around the time that Walt Disney passed away, Mm-hmm. And so they were utilizing, the team was just having struggles. And so they utilized some previous animation from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and Jungle Book to be, just to help them cope and still work as well. This is one of the f- first ones, I think, too. To It has a storybook opening, but it also uses a narrator. I and mean, we talked a little bit about it on uh, Sleepy Hollow, but like, the rooster narrator is one of my favorite parts, actually, of the whole movie, too. Like, it really stands out. It stands out to me. And this movie could probably be considered, like, a full-fledged comedy, too, right? Basically, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of slapstick comedy. I think that's, like, one of the reasons I have it up so high. It was also, I wore it out as a child watching it on VHS. Renee, what's your next one? Well, we covered a lot of them, but we have not covered number 27, which is Big Hero 6. Whoa, that's low. That's low. I got it at 16. But understand, we've already discussed some of my higher numbered ones. I have that at number 10. Oh, really? That's in my top 10 Disney movies of all time. Superhero movie. So how am I wrong? It made me cry. <laughs> because I won't admit it. <laughs> I mean, you're not far off. I don't love... Uh, my fiance left, so she won't hear this uh, from the other room. But I don't love the Fallout Boy uh, song. I don't really love uh, the fact that it's a, kind of a superhero origin story. Um, but I am deeply in love with Betamax. Uh, I love him mm-hmm. so much. He is so adorable and wonderful and just fantastic. I love when he's trying to make him run and Betamax just goes, I am not fast. I am not fast. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great, um, it's a really heartfelt movie and sad. And I really like the um, San Francisco aspect of it. And just, uh, yeah. Definitely one of my favorite Disney movies ever. 
Scary Villain 2. 2014, good year for movies. Good movie. Mm-hmm. Renee, are we missing anything on Big Hero 6? Uh, you don't like it as much as us, but... No, I mean, it was... This wasn't as great as Tangled. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Let's see here. My next one, lowest one, is at 31. And that is the 1977 version of Winnie the Pooh. Got that at twenty. The many adventures and of Winnie the Pooh. So am I. Have it on the top twenty. I just got it high. What? Oh, it's so cute and adorable. What do you like about it? Um. So, at the time, Disney was doing the storybook openings, but this fully incorporated mm-hmm. the book throughout and utilizing the story. And so I loved how it just pushed that origination from the book and they kept it thematically through it and there was a couple sequences i've seen here and there as growing up but like watching all of them together and like the heffalumps it was the mention of them and then like the weird sequence that came from his dream was just like (laughs) yeah no i this i guess this came from some other themes that they had with other films like dumbo uh but it wasn't as too trippy like the Dumbo one. There's just... It made my heart warm. I think and, my uh, favorite part was... Oh, you can go ahead, Pep. I was going to say, the uh, my favorite one is the I'm just a little black rain cloud. And that's from, like, <laughs> the mid-60s, but, like, I don't know. It's just adorable. And and I guess we said that, like, we were done with the package movies, but this is, like, kind of like you said, Renee, it's like, three different or however many different, like, vignettes kind of tied together. Yeah. Because so it's, 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 it's in chapters. But, so, right. and it continues because Pooh's like, but I'm not in that one. You know, it gets all upset. He's talking back <laughs> to the narrator. And they're like, no, you're in it with Tigger. And it's like, yes, we're getting to the Tigger. And having that through line makes such a big difference, too, as opposed to Make Mine Music, where it's just like these random clips sewn together. Yeah. Like, even just a little bit of a narrator is a big difference. The chapter's connected, and there were certain elements of, like, you got introduced to them before their chapter came and so it wasn't as abrupt as some of the other ones. What were you trying to say earlier, Stevie? I was going to say, I think my favorite part of that whole movie is when he gets stuck in Rabbit's house (laughs) and Rabbit (laughs) so aggressively puts that sign out in front, don't feed the bear. I think that is the funniest part of the whole movie. And then that was, there's an episode of Cheers where Norm tries to go through the window and the same thing happens to him and that's a great... (laughs) A great episode. And but. over time, like when he's not getting fed, <laughs> and he gets pulled out the hole, and Rabbit just surprisingly goes, he fit. Like, <laughs> I love that part. And then one morning, when Rabbit began to wonder if Pooh might be stuck there forever, a miraculous thing happened. He budged! Hooray! Christopher Crobin! A Christopher Ribbon! He bitched! He badged! He bulged! Today's the day! My number 25 is back a little bit farther. One of the original projects that Walt Disney uh, always wanted to do, you can see it as early references, like I think Pinocchio in the Golden Age is one of the other books on the shelf, but it's Alice in Wonderland. Wow, that's all Very the way trippy. up in mine. Oh, where? It, it's an 8. Whoa, wow, top 10. I have it at 28. It's like number 8. So we are leaping from the middle to Renee's top. <laughs> I like it a lot. Um, it's very surreal, but Renee, you, you, it's one of your favorite ones, so you should you should talk to us about it. I have a friend who this is, this is his number one film. 
um, he loves it so much. There's the teacups, the flowers, and the flower song. It's just there's a certain level of classic Disney where they use the female choirs and the multiple singers for that one, which Disney has stepped away from as the films went on. But this was back when you could tell they were using an orchestra and people. And I have a onesie of the Cheshire Cat. Classic. Does it does it help you disappear? Is it a cloak of in- onesie of invisibility? Uh, I like to disappear into my house with it and not come out. <laughs> <laughs> Though I would not be opposed to wearing it in public, because I am that person. I like I like how it's they pulled from Looking Glass and Alice in Wonderland. I thought what they pulled was well, like everything with the Red Queen off with her head. That's super duper iconic. Um, I mean, I have nothing bad to say about it. I, I would again say kind of like as a narrative story, it it, it feels very kind of you know segment based. But that's how the book is too. So it's it's great. I like it a lot. Gave me nightmares as a child. <laughs> I think it's probably why I have it low. <laughs> it scared me so much as a kid watching that. Um, I think it's a really good movie, just uh, dark in a lot of aspects. Renee, I think you're up next. Ooh. Okay, so we already referenced this movie once, but number 17 is The Jungle Book. I have that at 25. I have that at 21. I have an image still of it um, in my cubicle that's framed, like when the like the Disney uh, slide screens that they saw. This is a sneaky, jazzy one. It's a very jazzy movie, and I like that about it. Louis Prima kills it. And there's it's one where it's like, okay, finally Disney gave us a boy subject. He's a young boy. Then they throw in like this weird like love interest. I'm like. No, he's too young. Yeah. No, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what the Jungle Book's been done a lot of times at this point. There's been multiple live action remakes and like the one in the 90s and the one uh, John Favreau did. But this is still by far my favorite. The one in the 90s is an absolute trip. I don't like, like it. It is. It is off. Um, the John Favreau one was okay. I really like this movie a lot. Um, I think... Um, God, what is it? The birds who are supposed to be played by the Beatles is probably my favorite part of that movie. And there still are clearly the Beatles too, but they just can't still call them. Still clearly that. are the Beatles who are supposed to be voiced by the boys. Very funny. Uh, I mean, yeah, great animation too. Um, Baloo is one of the most iconic characters. He's so good they reused his dancing, like we said in Robin Hood. So yeah, it's a mm-hmm. really good one. It's definitely one of those movies that Disney is very proud of because it's not buried at all at the parks. I mean, it's everywhere. Has been for a long time. Come on, clue me what you do. Give me the power of man's red flower so I can be like you. Let's see. Here. My number, let's see, I'm down to 22 already. Wow. My number 22 came out very recently, and that is Zootopia. Oh, interesting. Okay. I got that at 18. Did you not like Shakira? I, actually, I thought it was a fine movie. I have it at 14. Okay, that's not too bad. I thought it was like your number two. Um, <laughs> You've already slaughtered my number two. Oh. Pappy. What was that? Wait, what was your number two? Oh, Tangled? Yeah. Whoops. Oh, I realized Tangled is two. So, wow. so, but, so Zootopia Sorry. still has that 3D images. And then they have like that subtle theme of... 
don't know how to describe it because they're animals. But it's basically all the, you know, the tigers and all the ones that could be aggressive and making people hate them. Like, it had, like, this almost... It's a lot of social commentary um, going on in this movie. It is. It's yeah. hard to pinpoint exactly. It's a funny movie. It's also a dark movie. I mean, there's a lot of different themes this movie. I liked it a lot. I mean, it's a great movie. There, there's a lot of contemporary references, too, like some Godfather stuff. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And DMV joke. I mean, that's what... To me, there are other. There's another Disney movie that came out that year that just feels so much more timeless and classic. Easy. That that's why I prefer it. <laughs> but it's still really good. Uh, and it beat it beat that movie and Kubo to win the Oscar in a pretty stacked uh, animation year. Mm-hmm. So I think I know the movie you're referencing, and it's. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. I'm saying, like, I know which one you're talking about. Uh, so is it my mm-hmm. my next one? Yeah. All right. Sorry, Stevie. This is my number 24, uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, Mine's 13. That's my 12. Uh, Stevie, I, love- I know how much you love this, oh, so you should you should just take the ball. Yeah. Pappy <sighs> hates all things joy. How can you hate this movie, Pap? Oh, I don't... What, what are you talking about? It's about two about? lost souls coming together to, like, eventually, like, defeating evil. Like, becoming best friends. It's a great movie. How is it so low? We talked about King Candy, how great he is. I don't know, and John C. Riley. And that speech uh, at the end. So much, and I'm a bad guy, so and that's not bu- bad, dude. Tearjerkers. And then Alan Tudyk's voice in King County, how he starts in one direction, and he slowly his voice changes throughout. Yeah. Some great animation, work. hilarious. I mean, very meta in video games. Like, how is it so low? I would just say that again. I'm gonna I attack don't, you I don't on this. Love- I really am. I really just I just don't love the the video game humor in the movie. I don't was know. Was it it's Rihanna not... that did it for you? Was that why is it so low? No, no, it's not so. It's not so. On the low. Mentos it's, alone, it's, it's... this is a top fifteen Disney movie. I I like it quite a bit. It just feels like more more of a middle of the road <laughs> post Renaissance films to me. It's really good. It's an up there movie, but it's just not. You guys love it. I, I don't feel want to betrayed. take away from from your love for it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, I don't love the video game humor. That's a big part of it. It's not. It doesn't feel timeless to me. Sorry. Wow. Renee, save me. Uh, I'm not saving you. I'm letting you go. <laughs> well, you're okay. up next. So. Yeah. Um, well. Oh. Number 16 is Mulan. I have that in my top 10 at number 8. It's my 17. I think you're closer than I am. So now we're getting into like the, the difficult choices of ranking them. And some people really like Mushu. I just, I don't know. Eddie Murphy. It was okay for me. Like He wasn't, you know, it. But the song Reflections with Christina Aguilera. Oh, I love that song. And there's Ooh, a lot <laughs> yeah, there's just thank a, you. There's a lot of things to it, and just the length she went to hide the fact that she was a girl, and the fight at the end with her jumping across and sliding across like the roof. <laughs> I mean that, and I think like the real highlight of this movie is definitely "I'll Make a Man Out of You." When oh, absolutely, dude, yeah. that training montage is so good, and. 
I don't know. I think Mulan is probably my favorite Disney princess out of all of them. So I think it's probably why I have it ranked so high. I just think she's a total badass warrior. Even though they strayed from the uh, source material heavily, and hopefully they do a better job in live action. Like, I love this movie. So, my top ten. As much as I, I do think that like uh, Mushu takes away a little bit from the movie, for me, I do love Dishonor on You, Dishonor on Your Cow. <laughs> like that's one, that's one of my oh, favorite yeah. lines in the history of Disney. And Sean Yu was a great villain. A lot of people think what's his name Ling, the male love interest. Oh, um, uh, he's bisexual. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. A lot of people think that he's Shane. like bi. Yeah, Shang. Yeah, he's like a, a huge LGBTQ LGBTQT icon, which is interesting. I can see how people can get that mm-hmm. understanding. We talked about on Vision Quest too, Stevie. The, the montage with the pole <laughs> is exactly from Vision Quest. <laughs> beat for beat. And I'll make a man out of you. Absolutely, yeah. beat for beat. my turn again yep yep all the way down at number 19 probably one of the most famous princesses of them all i have cinderella mine's 15 okay not too 22 22 i guess i mean it's a really good i wouldn't say rags to riches story but definitely about overcoming the evilness in one's family and um i don't know it's definitely like one of the first i think that really, I think Cinderella was Cinderella was one of the first princesses that was like a true icon. It's uh, I don't love the mice. I think that's probably something that takes away. I mean, like, Gus Gus. I just don't love them. Yeah, but I love Lucifer the cat. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I mean the name for the cat Lucifer just always cracked me up as a kid. But this was the princess I grabbed onto when I was younger. I have the the eight collector's plates. Oh and, nice. I mean this. Disney sells her pretty hard, and I can see why, but as I've gotten older, I'm like, I don't need a shoe for, I don't need, like, a man. Like, there's this whole theme. And my sister-in-law, I love her dearly, we were talking about ranking these and where she fell, and she goes, I see her just as a girl going to a party, having fun, and meeting the love of her life. Very true. And I was like, okay, I can kind of see that boy. (laughs) I think it's well executed, though. It's from an animation perspective, from a music perspective, from a fairy godmother. Like, she's an iconic character. Like, it does a lot of things really, really well, even if it doesn't, like, quite cross that hump into, like, one of my all-time favorites. Plus, it was one of um, one of the movies that Walt was uh, happiest with when it was made. It was, like, I think it was, I think it was in his top four movies that uh, they made while he was alive. Wow. Yeah. It's up there. My number... 23 uh, is another Musker and Clements movie, The Little Mermaid. Uh-oh. Those are fighting words. You should see where he because had it at to begin with. I have her number four. I have her number nine. Okay, you guys love it. I'll just get my, my only... There's so much great in it. Like, Sebastian is great. The music's great. Music it's got slaps. a strange story. It got a strange story structure, but like... Kind of to your point, Renee, I feel like even more so that 
what's Ariel doing out here? She all she cares about is this dude that she saw. Like it's it's like Cinderella, that same thing for me. But you love it, so what what do you love well, about it? It was love at first sight, and then she rescued him, and then now she's trying to get back to him, thinking they had a moment. And it's there's, um, I mean Ursula as a villain and what she goes through to like cover up the fact that she's a villain as Vanessa is an interesting plot that really hasn't been done successfully. And the fact that they <laughs> took the ship and they stabbed her on the chest. Oh, that's, you know, quality entertainment back in the 90s. Plus, I think Go On and Kiss the Girl is my favorite Disney song of all time. That song is amazing. You like it more than Under the Sea, which had some great animation with all of the different types of creatures. Yeah. Also, I think it's because I'm a massive Jimmy Buffett fan. It kind of reminds me of his music more. So that's probably why I gravitate towards that more. But I still love this movie. And Ariel, I mean, this movie, like, single-handedly saved the studio. Like, there were serious talks to completely cut animation completely from Disney before this movie was released. And this was the birth of the Renaissance. Yes. So, definitely top ten for me. Alan Menken wrote the music. We talked about him a of lot on the last he episode. <laughs> but he's, yeah, he's great. So somehow, I forgot about this one because, well, I seriously forgot about it. Number 26 is Frozen. It's my 19. I have that at 16. Now, is it higher or lower than your guys' Tangled? Because I think I sent a message saying that Tangled is better than Frozen. <laughs> it is. You, know, you just gotta let it go. Let it go. <laughs> See, I, I had Tangled at 23, I have Frozen at 16. Okay. I like that the music in Frozen is so much better, and like I, I love the subversion of the traditional story tropes that we were talking about, like with The Little Mermaid and Cinderella and stuff. Like, you can't just fall in love with someone who you just met. That's ridiculous. I think that was a good twist. I just take issue with that um, Elsa could have gone darker. They could have had her really embrace something more and they just kind of eased up they made it too nice and friendly for kids because they still wanted her to be the selling princess to make money off her i think if they allowed her to go darker it would have been harder for kids to it'd be more redeeming but it'd be harder for kids i think to connect with her Mm -hmm. and that was probably just a choice for um, the continuation and i'm excited for the new frozen that comes out don't get me wrong i want to see where it goes but I just don't love it as much as everybody else. I'm not on the Frozen train. That movie made so much money. It was in theaters for so long. Like, when that movie came out, I was surprised it had the legs that it did. Because I remember looking at the trailer going, eh, it's not going to be that good. And it really, I mean, it's iconic status at this point, how popular Frozen is. It's another, like, shift in gears mm-hmm. from the studio. Because I think, like, The Princess and the Frog... Entangled had to win back the trust of general audiences who had kind of fallen away from Disney. And after like two, those are both really solid films that we talked about, even great in in some cases. But like once Frozen hits, Disney's back, like officially back as a huge player in animation. Like it's it's just so it's just so iconic. How do we feel about Olaf, Renee? I want to give him a warm hug. Like, kill him? Is that what you said? No. <laughs> Melt him with kindness. Yeah. I mean, he's... 
there for the camp and the cheese. I mean, it's and I'm a fan of campy and cheesy. And that's what he's there for. I watched Olaf's birthday or the Christmas special, and it was bad. Oh, I can't believe I watched that. Was that the one before Coco? He's running around trying to give them presents yep, for Christmas and that. collecting presents. and yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a half hour of that that we didn't need. Yeah. So terrible. Yeah. And then they re-pushed it out during the Christmas season as part of like their, you know, special event. So it came out again on its own on TV. The only good thing I'll say about it is if is if a dozen more people saw Coco because they wanted to see some Frozen thing, then I guess it was worth I'm it. I'm happy but with it. But <laughs> it felt kind of, de- kind of felt demeaning to Coco to have to throw that in there. Yeah. But. All right. Let's see. I am down to number 18. Um, that would be 101 Dalmatians. Mine's 23. Okay. It's the first one in my top 10. I got it at number 9. Wow, that is high. Pat, do you love dogs? I don't have any kind of relationship with real life Dalmatians <laughs> at all, but we talked about like, you know, Disney goes through this jazz period and you can tell that like, you know, the, the nine old men, like Wolfgang Reitherman and, and whoever was like left in that studio, like loved jazz and that kind of came from Walt, like an appreciation of classical music. And this is to me, you know, he's a jazz writer. It's, it's the pinnacle of the jazzy Disney movies, which I really love. And, and I think like Cruella DeVille's as a villain alone is enough to like justify it as one of the top 10 best Disney movies. Like the song, her presence, her just straight up wickedness. Like this Very movie wicked. is so good. It, I mean, they made a live action remake in the nineties before live action remakes were a thing. Like it's, it's just one of the best. Here's a little fun fact about that. Um, Cruella DeVille was the first villain to ever have a song named after her. Really? True story. And, um, I think my f- and that medley is unforgettable too. Yeah, very much. So I think my favorite part of this movie is when they kind of start like the um, the dog call throughout like throughout the city through through many dogs, and it gets to the colonel, who I think is absolutely hilarious. Um, I rewatched this movie about a week ago, and I forgot how good it was. I think it's one of those movies that if you're like a big Disney fan, you kind of forget about from from time to time. The colors, the look of it, it's just classic hand drawn, mm-hmm. you know, peak. Peak whatever this is, Silver Age. Yeah, it's a good story too. Yeah. This horrid little house is your dream castle. <laughs> and poor Roger is your bold and fearless Sir Galahad. <laughs> oh, Cruella. And then of course you have your little spotted friends. Ah, yes. Yes, I must say, such perfectly beautiful coats. Won't you have some tea, Cruella? Now, I've got to run, darling. Now, let me know when the puppies arrive. You will, won't you, dear? Yes, Cruella. Now, don't forget it to promise. See you in three weeks. Cheerio. Cheerio, darling. So my number 12, I'm already down to 12. We've hit most of the ones on my bottom, but uh, we talked about, this was a spoilers episode, number 215, Nothing bad to say about it at all, uh, Aladdin. Okay, I have a number 15. Uh, number five. Wow. Renee, is Aladdin the hottest Disney prince? Uh, I was never a fan of Aladdin. Interesting. Like, the attraction level, yeah, they just never, like, Robin Hood as a fox. He was more foxy than Aladdin. <laughs> what do you love about it? You have it really high, so. I do. It's... It really is the animation with the genie and 
the way they show the entire castle and a whole new world, how they're able to incorporate a lot of different elements into it. Alan Macon, great music. And Jasmine wasn't, like, there's some some stuff going on for her, but it wasn't like this overly presence. It finally was Disney came out with a male-driven story. Mm-hmm. And it was a great change for Disney to finally give Guy something instead of a million princesses, and some princes don't even have names. Aladdin clearly had a name. We will just ignore the whole slave aspect of Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I mean, considering it was 90s, that was yeah. okay back then. Now, not so much. I mentioned that, uh, you know, uh, Emperor's New Groove is one of the most silly. This is like a second close yeah. in most silly. Like, save for a couple dark moments, like Robin Williams' performance is manic. It is absolutely nuts, and it's a lot of... I know it's something that I bitched about earlier is contemporary like pop culture references, but he's just so great. It's one of his greatest performances from like one of the most interesting actors of that time, I, I think it's fair to say, uh, if not one of the best, and, and certainly one of the most beloved. So it's a great performance. Steve, you have a little bit lower. Uh, what don't you love about it? I mean, there's nothing I... Parsing great films. I mean, it's a really good movie. It's just we're getting to the nitty gritty right now. I have it at 15, where it's like, now you're getting to the point where you're talking about legendary Disney films. Um, I know it's weird to say. I mean, I know it's not like a new thing to say, but like, I wish there was more Robin Williams. Like, like you said, his performance is absolutely legendary. And I think his beginning bit as like the street, like salesman. In the very beginning of Aladdin is my favorite part of the whole movie and one of my favorite parts in all of Disney films. Um, I just don't like Aladdin that much as like a main character. I don't know why. That's fair. I think he's kind of cocky and arrogant, and in the end, it all works out for him no matter what. I don't know. The part where he at where the genie's all sad, and I, I talked about it on the Aladdin episode, but it makes me so uncomfortable <laughs> how, how disappointed he is. It makes me really sad. So my number twenty-four. It's probably the most racist of them all. It is Dumbo. I have that at 13. I have it at 10. I mean, I watched it recently, and like the sequence of Baby Oh Mine was just so sad. It just wrecked my heart. Uh, and then, when I was a child, um, his drunk sequence always was weird to me. I couldn't put my head around what is happening. Now that I've pink gotten elephants. older, yeah, the pink elephants. <laughs> but now that I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. And when I was younger, I didn't understand Jim Crow and the Jim Crows. Now I'm like, oh, I can't believe just did that. It was 1941. They weren't exactly all that PC. But now I'm just like, oh, that's a little hard. <laughs> the Jim Crow stuff is problematic, but I just love the abstract sequence of the pink elephants. I think that was. Is that Frank Thomas TV? Or was that no? It was Milk Call? Or did it, one of the two? I think it was Milk. But yep, one of the two did it, and it's like so out there and weird, and that's why I love it. You guys see this like in my like in my top ten of the ones that are left is that I, I do love when Disney gets a little bit weird. Um, but I don't know. It's emotional. Dumbo's a great character. I think short. Yeah, it's really short. Timothy Q. Mouse is an underrated of the Disney mice, and very overshadowed by Mickey. But yeah. I know you love it too, Stevie, right? I do love it. Um, we also talked about this in length before, you and I, about how difficult of a time this was for Walt. Because uh, he really right. thought not only like 
was he losing his studio at the time. He was also losing a lot of his family with the um, animators and writers strike. With that going on, he had a bunch of people like picket and strike during this process. And these were people that like Walt really cared about. And that's why we have kind of that clown scene where they're talking about going to ask the boss for more money. And that was Walt kind of getting back at his writers for leaving. The live action remake version of this is a huge pile of dog shit. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. But I, I do like this one, even though there's, like Renee said, there's some, some problems. It's short, and this was a movie that Disney, like, they had to make money on this. I mean, after Pinocchio, after Fantasia, this was do or die time. And I'm happy they did. I really like this movie. Dumbo! Look! Have I got it? The magic feather! Now you can fly! Okay, I'm down to 14, and this is a movie that I watched again and liked quite a bit, and that would be Sleeping Beauty. It's my number one. Whoa. It's my number three. For you, it's low because why? I mean, it's it's not a bad thing. (laughs) We're at 14 here. Um, Yeah. It's just, I really like this movie. I think Maleficent is awesome and iconic. Prince Philip is super underrated. Um, Music's good. And just, it has a really neat story. I like this movie a lot. And Maleficent's henchmen are pretty terrifying. Even for Mordor standards. So, really cool movie. I think it's really underrated as well. Was the first Disney prince to actually get a first name? Was it really? Is it a beat? Yeah, because there was Well, Snow White's prince, but he wasn't named in it. I forget what his name is. Nope, he was not named. And then Cinderella, same thing. The prince. Hmm. Yeah. It wasn't until this that Philip actually had a name. I mean, they've gone back because they know they actually have names the whole time. (laughs) Well, no. (laughs) Prince Philip was... So this is your number one? Yeah, it's the... It was completely different art style compared to all the rest of them. It's that post-Renaissance tapestries and all the backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And it was so different from the foreground animation. I just thought it was beautiful because it was so different. It's such a... I agree. I think it's an absolute masterpiece. It was my number three. And I think growing up, we'd always had square TVs. And so I don't think I ever saw it in like the right aspect ratio. Like it's a really wide movie. Mm-hmm. It's like two point two to one. Like so it's like that wide vision. Like there's so much detail in the corners of the screens. And I think it's just like a really elegant story. Like Renee, how great are the fairies? Are oh, the- they're. I mean, just with make it pink, make it blue. Yes. It's great in the fact that there's they're still fighting within themselves, but they're caring and loving and doing the best that they can try to do without using magic. And it is, ah, oh, the sewing is preposterous. I just laugh the whole time when they're sewing because I could sew, but I was like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> What's this hole for? Well, it has to have a bottom or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, no, let's not wait. You too. I love the dads getting drunk. I love, yeah, everything about it. I also think it's cool, like, how the villain of this movie transcended, like, the hero and the princess of it in a way. Like, even, like, modern times. Like, more people, like, would rather see a movie about Maleficent than Sleeping Beauty nowadays. She's the principal villain in King of Hearts. Mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Like, she's iconic. Getting down here. My number 11, 
Golden Age film. I think the second Golden Age one that we're talking about. Uh, Bambi. Uh, really sad. It's beautiful. Um, and I think it's got... It's very serious. It's, it's one of the ones that almost sunk the studio. It was super expensive and it was very. Like a passion project for Walt. But well, the beginning of it. It's a little over serious for me. I have it at 12. Dang, I have it at 6. So I grew Whoa. up with my dad and brothers going hunting every fall. And so I asked them, when you come back, I don't want to see Bambi. I'm okay seeing the meat, but I don't want to see the animal. And that was like my agreement. Because this movie, like, definitely instilled in me, you know, the hunter's death. And I'm like, oh, that's my family. They're killing Bambi's mom. <laughs> so it became an ongoing joke in our house about... And I was traumatized once, because my dad's evil. But the whole thing was this movie left such an impression on me. I think everyone kind of lost it when Bambi's mom died. I know I did. Like, it's such a sad scene. It's, like, off-screen, too, isn't it? Yeah. Like you, th- you always think about it, you see her dying, but it's even more powerful. Like, you just hear the shot or so whatever. Sad, but I love the animation in this movie. Um, Pap, I know you and I have kind of watched, like, behind the scenes of how they did it and how long they trained just to get, like, deer motion correct. And right. how they were also, like, incorporating CGI with, like, the five-panel camera. Like, I think this movie is absolutely gorgeous. And I love the scene where um, Bambi fights the other deer. I wouldn't say to the death, but like when lightning striking, it's just a very abstract scene. Love this movie. Have it at number six. Very dramatic mm-hmm. movie. My 21 is Moana. Whoa. I know. Well, you guys probably have a top 10, don't you? It's my number seven. I have it at number three. It's one of my more higher ranked new modern films outside of Tangled, obviously. Um, there's some things in the story that just didn't land completely for me, but it's still so beautifully done, and a lot of stuff is incorporated that I enjoy, just not as much as others. Pap, where do you have it? I have it at number seven. I think it's one of the best. I think it's one of the best, too. The soundtrack is unbelievable. Um, really liked the story. Really liked all of the characters. Uh... Yeah, I think this movie's an absolute masterpiece, so I have it at number three. And it's probably one of the Disney movies I actually watch the most. It's elegant. It's a very elegant mm-hmm. storytelling. It's a lot, it's very similar to Pocahontas. There's a lot of similar uh, beats there in the story, but it's just done infinitely better. Um, I, I think that, like, yeah, like you said, the, the, the music is iconic. The one kind of slip up for me is when it gets. Disney's starting to creep in with the self-referential themes, you know what I mean? Like, being really overt with it, mm-hmm. uh, with, with that line with Moana. That's what pulls me back Yeah, out. that, I have a problem a little bit with that, but I mean, other than that, like, I love the ending, Stevie, I know you do too. Uh, yeah. It's beautiful. Like, it's that scene where she's, like, sailing back and, like, her grandma's a stingray beneath her, it's a tearjerker, man, I love that movie. Alright. Am I up? You sound so dejected, but yes, you're up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, We're narrowing them down really well right now. I mean, there's not too mm-hmm. many left. No, I think people are going to get kind of pissy with me on this one. But number 11, I have The Lion King. It's number six for me. Number five. It's a really good movie. Like, it's a... Uh, <laughs> it, it is. It, it's a really good movie. It's, um... It's the first movie I actually ever saw in theaters and was traumatized when Mufasa died as a child. 
Oh, me too. I, I didn't. Yeah. That was my brain could not conceptualize how the main character's dad could die. Like, I just, I didn't get it. I was like, why isn't he waking up? Why isn't he waking up? And I think the young me just started crying. I was like, why isn't he waking up? Um, amazing movie. Amazing soundtrack. Uh, some of the best animation you're going to see from a Disney movie. And, Pap, I think this this was the B-team movie, correct? Everybody thought, yeah, that Pocahontas, or, uh, yeah Pocahontas was going to be the Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's slept on this movie. And, like, it comes up every two or three years, like, clockwork on the internet. Like, oh, it's, it's a ripoff of Kemba the Lion. Like, that's fair. And it's probably true. But it's way more popular and... I don't know, elegant, than I'm sure, than Kemba mm-hmm. is from what I've seen of it. And, like, I mean, they got fucking Darth Vader as one of the voices. What more do you want? They have Elton John singing. There's some great animated multi-animal... Uh, sequences because you know Disney has done animals before, but this one I thought just stood out um, more strongly than the, the other versions of like Ill Lady and the Tramp and Aristocrats. Like this one definitely blew my mind away. I watched it so many times as a kid. Mm-hmm. So Stevie, this is a lot of people's number one, and I have it in my top ten, but it it doesn't reach that like really upper echelon of like my top forward because I, I it does have some more like pop culture references like they call me mr pig you know, yeah and mr tibbs and that's that's something that's just not as timeless i don't know and, and like the whole it's very very slapsticky once we get to timon and pumbaa which i like a lot but it's also doesn't feel like the same quality as the dramatic sequences mm-hmm. i don't know what, what, pull, what pulls it down for you as not being like top three as a lot of people would have it I mean, I know this is like a lot of people's like number ones. Um, I just, I think a lot of it too is like some of its backstory with the other movies. Um, there's a lot of great backstory to how a lot of these films were made and how almost they weren't. Um, this being one of them, especially with they were going to cut Jeffrey Katzenberg was going to cut Elton John's "Can You Feel the Love Tonight," um, which is insane to think about because he won an Oscar for it. But it just, I don't know, I like. It's just right outside my top ten, almost there. Katzenberg sucks. <laughs> He's so terrible. He's the worst. He's a psychopath. All right, so then now we're into my top ten. Uh, this is my number eight. And, like again, this is a top ten Disney movie of all time. I feel bad being the one having to bring him up now, but Lilo and Stitch is so great. It's so real. Uh, where do you guys have it? I have it number 11. So it's close. I actually had it on the in the background on mute and just was watching it while we were recording. I watched it today. I have this at number two. This is so my second favorite Disney movie ever made. Pap, you love this movie too? I mean, yeah. It sounds like you love the Polynesian uh, Disney movies they do as great. much as I do. <laughs> Pacific uh, Ocean Life. But yeah, I, Pacific Islander. the music... Yeah, Pacific Islander Life. The, the music is phenomenal. The... Uh, the, the characters, like I said, are so real. Like the, the problems that they have are like real domestic issues. It's not a big story. They're not fighting for the kingdom, or even to like stay alive. They're fighting to keep their family together. And like somehow, even though those stakes are lower, they're more emotionally impactful than a lot of the movies that we've already talked about. So, 
it's just really beautiful. It it almost brings me to tears every time. Um, Ving Rhames is so great in the movie. He's <laughs> a great Mr. Bubbles. Yeah, nothing bad to say about Lilo and Stitch. That and, um, like you were kind of saying, like Disney does like Pacific Island life really well, but one thing I loved about this was Lilo wasn't a princess. Like, there was no kind of, like, monarchy in it whatsoever. It's like, these were just... She's just a girl. She's just a girl who's considered, like, an outcast by society. And her sister is struggling just to right. get by in life. And this crazy little alien being, being comes in and just wrecks everything. Uh, I think it's a really heartwarming story. And that's why I have it at my number two. So we are now into my top ten. And the tenth is... It was so difficult to do a top ten. Like... It took me forever because it's... But Snow White lands there. Okay, that's my number six. My number seven. It's... Uh, as a child, I was so scared of... Uh, when she when she was running in the woods and then got even more scared with the death of the queen, evil queen. Mm-hmm. I could not actually watch it for a short while because it freaked me out. Or I would close my eyes during that sequence when I was little. Do you guys find this true? I appreciate Snow White more than I like Snow White. Correct. Yes. It is the one that started it all. It's an incredible technical achievement. It's the first animated feature film and it's so high quality. And, and if you watch a lot of the shorts, like the Melody Time or Silly Symphonies and that kind of stuff that were coming out around then, like, it's so much above and beyond. And Steve, we talked about talked about this before. There are whole, like, giant sequences that they cut from the Massive movie. Massive sequences. Because they were so committed to a lean story. Like, you're talking like five minute, ten minute sequences that they just cut. They had so much more. I wonder if they did it for people who didn't want to sit or they didn't think they could sit through it. Walt, at this point, was all about story. He was really, really into story versus animation. And there's that scene where um, Snow White goes into space and dances with the prince. And he really thought yeah. that would take the audiences, like... Pull them out. Really pull them out of the moment of like where they actually are. And they also cut the scene... Uh, was it the soup song, Pap? Yeah, there's like a pre-dinner song, kind of like when they're washing up, mm-hmm. like around that time uh, of them like getting and more ready. Even. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a really good movie. Like, I'm kind of with you in the same boat, Pap. You appreciate it more than you actually like it. Incredibly beautiful, but like, I think that there are movies lower on this list where it's like, would you rather watch Snow White or for me, like Moana, which I have lower? I'd say probably Moana. Yeah. Like even Big Hero 6. I'd probably rather watch Big Hero 6 than Snow White on any given yeah, Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, night. I think it's kind but. of what I got into, too, where the story like of how it got made is better than the actual product. Because, I mean, the gamble they took had never been done before, and it took them six years. Coming in at number five uh, involves the scariest Disney villain ever created, and that would be Fantasia. Uh, that's my number one. Your numero uno. It's my number five, nine. So this one is pretty well spread out throughout our top ten. Mm-hmm. I'll just say this: like the reason that I have it at number one is I, I think that it can be a little bit boring, but like 
it's just so weird. It's just such an original concept. It's I love like just putting classical music to pictures, and even sometimes it's not even a narrative story. Like you know what I mean? It's just like there's that one that's just like the shapes and like the the strings of the instruments, like an interpretation. Like and the dinosaurs, maybe the worst one, but I loved dinosaurs when I was a kid, so I got hyped for that dinosaur fight too. Like it's just an amazing piece of art. I mean, Walt created like his own, like a, a brand new type of studio sound for this movie, right? Was this the one he went to Germany for? There was one where he utilized Germany and what their setup and how they were more advanced when it came to the sound and recording. That's probably it. I think so. Yeah. Because, I mean, this was also a traveling movie because they couldn't show it. Like, not every theater could host this movie. And I think, didn't they lose money on this, Pap? Oh, yeah. It was a financial flop. Yeah. Yeah, that and anytime I hear the words Fantasia, I think of two things, and that's The Sorcerer's Apprentice and The Night on Bald Mountain. And The Sorcerer's Apprentice is so iconic. That's the one that really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. Besides the Nutcracker Suite, too. It's the one you see on t-shirts and everything, too. But do you think it's the scariest Disney villain, Stevie? The Night on Bald Mountain? Yeah. It's... I mean... Even, like, I think if you spread out all the Disney villains now, he's definitely the scariest looking. Oh, looking, okay. Yeah. It's just, well, yeah, do you guys think it's boring? I've heard it's boring from people, too. It's just too, it's really long. I think it's the longest, or one of the longest. I think it's people above two hours. consider it boring because they don't appreciate the music and the cohesion of the art and music together. You have to take in both elements at once. I don't know if people have that capability of doing that. So they find it boring because it's classical music and there's no linear story outside of what you're visually watching. And I think, too, I mean, I don't know if you have, Papa Renee, but one of my dreams is to go see, like, Fantasia in concert on screen. Oh, that'd be so cool. I think that would be absolutely amazing. The touring orchestra? Yeah, where they actually have, like, an orchestra in a theater. And they play while like, everything's running on screen. We have similar um, ones that come here to Seattle. They've done um, a lot of different scores, and they'll play things in the background with the score going. Mm-hmm. I think even if I could just see Fantasia on the big screen, I'd be so happy. I don't think I've ever been able to to do that. But it's also like this is also like the probably the most racist movie, Stevie. We talked about this like modern day they versions of Fantasia are very different, yeah, than old ones. There's there's some sequences that are not available to see anywhere uh, mm-hmm. nowadays, but all right, we're getting into, do you guys have two left? Two left. Right. Okay. Um, I think so. And I Sorry. have three, but one of you will cover it. Okay. So my next one uh, is my number four. Uh, I mean, again, nothing bad to say about it. Beauty and the beast. That's where I have it. And number three. I mean, it's great, right? The music's awesome. It's so wonderful it is a timeless classic and i'd venture to say that i think Belle is probably most people's favorite princess a lot of people do lean Mm -hmm. towards her because she's became a princess she wasn't already established like snow white and cinderella cinderella is like yeah the princess at the end you know this was more (laughs) she's more relatable and i think that's part of it yeah, and I like, I mean, it might be a little bit simplistic, but I even like, you know, they, they make her kind of an intellectual in the town. You know what I mean? And that's, compare that to like Little Mermaid or something. I think it's just so much more interesting the way they use the princess in this mm-hmm. one. She had a lot more personality and depth to her. 
Do you find any of the themes problematic, Renee? I'm just curious as a female spoiler. Uh, oh, Stockholm are you Syndrome. Let me ask you. Stockholm yeah. Syndrome much? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's there, but I can look through it and realize that there's still some depth, and it's also the person who she is. I mean, you throw me in that situation, and I would probably go crazy. But she has more patience than I do. It's funny how, like, the... did you Were you a fan of the Modern Day remake? It's pretty low in comparison to the others. Yeah, it felt very, like, revisionist. Like, they were trying to make up for a bunch of weird stuff, like the the age that the prince had to be yeah and all of that like i don't know i didn't hate it but it's just because the source material is so great well this i mean beauty and the beast was one of the first animated films to win a crap ton of oscars they had they were actually nominated for best picture yeah one of the yeah. first i don't remember who they lost to but i remember they were nominated they got best song as well and then they got a couple others I think it lost to Silence of the Lambs, which is also a pretty good movie. <laughs> Two totally different types of movies right there. Well, which one would you rather watch, Pap? Silence of the Lambs or Beauty and the Beast? Beauty and the Beast. But it depends on the night, I yeah. think. Yeah, it has more rewatchability than Silence of the Lambs. Alright, so Renee, I think you're going to finish us off here. The last one. Yep. My number seven is Pinocchio. My number two. My number one. I mean, Pinocchio came out in 1940, so it's definitely... It's, for me, it's just held up in some... I don't remember which came out first, Fantasia or Pinocchio, because they both came out at the same time. I think Pinocchio came out first, I think. Yeah, it was the second one. Yeah. Oh, so Pinocchio was um, early in the year, and then Fantasia was more like Thanksgiving mm-hmm. time. Um, yep. But, like, from Jimmy Cricket starting out the beginning and how he's carried through a bunch of other films, The Blue Fairy, which I think is more of one of the underrated fairies. People don't give her enough credit. They kind of go to the other fairies within all the films. Uh, but she just its a dream and aspiration of he just wants to be real. He just wants to be human and be together. And it's oh, such a beautiful story that way. I also like how the story set up about... I mean, how it's really episodic. I mean, you can break this movie down to four different, maybe five different episodes. And the animation that went into this movie is absolutely legendary. And I also think it's, I mean, it's a funny movie. It's a dark movie. It's a heartwarming movie. It definitely traverses a lot of themes. And that's why I have it at my number one. I mean, it's like the cornerstone of Disney when you wish upon a star, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that's there for a reason. And like, like you said, Steve, it's really dark. and it's Coachman is terrifying. Dude, it, but it's such like a leap above Snow White, too. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? As far as watchability. Like, and even like from a technical side, from an animation perspective, it's the second one, but it's it's so great. And even though so Honest legendary. John and Gideon are greasy, like, they are really funny in that movie. They are, if you watch that movie again, it's very funny. So, I mean, that, that was the last one we talked about it. Does that make it the best Disney movie? Is that how this works? <laughs> or is... Well, I think it's one that we all equally have pretty highly ranked. Mm-hmm. True. Like, within agreement. I mean, I'm holding it down on seven, but if you consider 
the rest that I've placed up there. Uh, most of these are all just of their own. I think in my top 10, the, the 1990s is like the strongest in my top 10. So I, yeah, let's just do that real quick. I have, my top 10 was Dumbo, 101, Lilo and Stitch, Moana, Snow White, Lion King, Being the Beast, Sleeping Beauty, Pinocchio, Fantasia. All right, my top 10 was Pinocchio, Lilo and Stitch, Moana, Beauty and the Beast, Fantasia, Bambi, Snow White, Mulan, Little Mermaid, and Big Hero 6. I have my top 10, Sleeping Beauty, Tangled, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, The Lion King, Aladdin, Pinocchio, Alice in Wonderland, Fantasia, and Snow White. Well, do you think Frozen 2 will be in your top 10, Pixie Bomber? It's a sequel, so not likely. (laughs) Will you come back on the podcast to talk about it? Oh, you know I will. <laughs> yes. So I'm sure tr- I'm trying to get um, screening credentials for that, but Disney's like super tight on early screening, so I probably won't just watch it like the late night showing when it comes out. Especially for that movie, I think that's going to be probably their biggest movie of the year. <laughs> they've had a big year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they've only had five billion dollar movies so far this year, but yeah. Um, I can't wait for Frozen 2. Uh, do we have anything else coming down, Pap, for spoilers? Uh, no. Uh, just look out for Frozen 2 coming next week. Uh, and listen to this with your Disney Plus subscription, which is about to come out. Yeah, yeah. That... Send us your ranking. Send us your ranking through Instagram. I'm so excited for the Disney Plus platform. They're slowly releasing more and more details about the incorporation of Hulu and other uh, locations like where you can get it and merge it. It makes it so much easier. Don't imagine our list probably matched up with your guys' list listening, but thank you for listening anyway if you've made it this far. As we said again, um, send us your list. Pixie Bomber, thank you for coming on. You were a great guest, as always. Pap, great job. And uh, Podcast history. Every Disney movie in one episode. Every Disney movie, one episode. Oh, yeah. All of them. It's quite the undertaking, and I'm so privileged you guys asked me to join. Of course. Anyway, um, I think that's about it, so I'll wrap it up with, that was spoilers. Spoiler Man here. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is Podcast Spoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Our Spoilers Hotline is 903-776-4507. That's 903-SPOIL-07. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. To do this, one search for movie spoilers Two, click on our orange spoilers bowl logo and scroll all the way to the bottom three leave us some stars and some words now you can check us out on spotify youtube stitcher apple and google podcasts if you enjoyed what you heard today subscribe on soundcloud or itunes
wait, don't turn off the episode. This is Pappy, uh, recording this on January 19th, 2020. This is our first amendment to the Every Disney Movie Ranked podcast. We were the first podcast to do it. Now we're adding on with Frozen 2. We're not done. We're not frozen yet. <laughs> and we did an episode on Frozen 2, Stevie and Renee. Did you guys, have you guys' feelings changed at all uh, since we recorded that back in November? Yes. Yes. Because I am currently watching Frozen the original as we speak. I think I got a little caught up in the moment on Frozen 2 because I did enjoy it a lot, but I don't think it's a better movie than Frozen. Oh, no. Even the Oscars agree with us. <sighs> I know. I know. And plus, I had this really strong drink with Pap when I went and saw it. I think that <laughs> might have affected me as well. Oh, I cried during my first viewing, and I'm not crying anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we had Frozen at 13th, and so, Stevie, to have it better than Frozen 2, that'd be like the number 12 Disney movie. That, that's tough to do. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen today. So a couple other things that have changed, too. Uh, Renee, you saw all of the Disney movies that you didn't see uh, at the time. Can you give us, just for the uh, canonical record, just so yeah. it's uh, recorded, what did you think about, I think it was like, Dinosaur and Brother Bear. So, like, all of the best ones you hadn't seen. Oh, yeah. Uh. Those were quality. <laughs> you guys warned me, and I ignored your warning, and I went head on into Disaster Town because I'm a completionist when it comes to Disney. And I did this all before Disney Plus came out, and Dinosaur was exactly as you told me. It was the holding out the bottom of my list. Dear Lord, Chicken Little was definitely the littlest of them all. Home on the Range. What the? Oh my goodness. Seriously, <laughs> you are right. The voice acting was all that was there. It's the worst. Oh, it's yeah. terrible. And I think the fourth one that I hadn't seen was, um, I think, oh, Brother Bear, which I later learned there's a sequel. Why on God oh, yeah. is there a sequel? Have you seen a sequel, Stevie? <laughs> I think we talked about it. Yeah, because my wife is also a Disney fanatic. And it's amazing what my wife can do. She like can hear one Disney song and know the words for the rest of her life. So when we put on Brother Bear 2, she was singing all the songs. I'm like, when's the last time you watched this? She's like, a long, long time ago. And that movie is trash, by the way. It's, it's even worse than Brother <laughs> Bear, the original. Which is why it's probably not in canon. Makes a lot of sense. I don't think yeah. there aren't any sequels in canon. No, uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Rescuers Down oh, Under. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's a minimal amount of sequels in canon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And potentially more coming. But all right, well, we should get down to the business. Stevie, this has always been your brainchild, the, the Disney, every Disney movie. Do you want to explain what we're about to, about to do? Okay, so on the Amendment pod, this pod, we are going to go through our weighted rankings of how us three rank the all the Disney movies that we watch and when anyone feels they want to insert Frozen 2 that person just say stop and that's where you're going to rank Frozen 2 how's that sound okay so this will be interesting we'll freeze the podcast when we're ready to insert Frozen 2 (laughs) Stevie says a movie that you like more than Frozen 2 say stop and that's where we'll end up Coming in at number 57, the most unwatchable movie there is, Chicken Little. After that, Dinosaur at 55, Fun and Fancy Free, followed by Melody Time, followed by Make Mine Music. Those were not fun to watch. 
Then the John Travolta classic, Bolt. Coming in at 51, Home on the Range. Coming in at a solid 50, Brother Bear. Followed by Saludos Amigos, should be higher. Then Wreck-It Ralph breaks the internet, right where it should be. I had be. it higher. 40. This is an average, by the way. This isn't weighted average. This seems incredibly low. 47, Poco, Pocahontas. 46, should be way higher, Treasure Planet. That was me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> then coming in at 45, Sword in the Stone, followed by Oliver and Company. Then coming in at 43, Atlantis. Then 42, a movie that was never finished but somehow released, The Black Cauldron. Followed by The Rescuers. Coming in at 40, Hercules. Mm -hmm. Michael Bolton was the man back in the day. Coming in at 39, The Rescuers Down Under. Followed by The Three Caballeros. Should be higher. Okay, stop. I pulled that down. I can't. Three Caballeros is better than Frozen 2. Okay. So you're that guy. So, Pab, you have it then at 39 that puts Rescuers Down under Under to 40? That would mean, yeah, Rescuers Down Under is at 40. I mean, Stevie, would you, where, where would you have stopped it if you would have kept going? He's still going. You, you'll find, find out, out, man. Okay. Patience. Okay, go ahead. Patience is a virtue. Wait okay, for so Pappy, heart to melt. Come on. Happy has frozen to at 39. All righty. Okay. 37. Winnie the Pooh. Coming in at 36. The scariest movie they ever made, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Let's see here. Then 35. I had it higher. Then 35, Princess and the Frog. 34, Tarzan. I will say stop. I will put, uh, I think Tarzan's better than than Frozen 2. I'll have it right in between Tarzan and Princess and the Frog. Are you still going, Renee? Well, it's my, my, I'm going for my number. Like my, I'm looking for the number. (laughs) But have we said, have we said movies that you like more? Well, obviously. (laughs) <laughs> okay. All right. Because you guys ranked one of mine really low because you guys have no soul. What, Tangled? Oh, let's not get back on that train. <laughs> <laughs> we okay. know where my Tangled is. That's in earlier in the podcast, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's the way up there. Has okay. Cut. All right. So we're waiting on Renee. Pappy has at it. Let's see. Pappy has frozen two at 39. I have it at 35. Keep going. 33, Aristocats, followed by such a sad kids movie at 32, The Fox and the Hound. Then 31, Fantasia 2000. Coming at 30. We are now finally frozen to, we are entering the unknown. My my number is 30. Okay, wait, let's pause there for a second, because TV, why do you, a Frozen 2 thing that we didn't talk about, can you believe... This is before the Oscars actually happened, but after the uh, nominations. Why is Show Yourself not the Oscar song? I know, <laughs> right? It makes no sense. None. It is such a better song than Into the Unknown. Like, And it's also the, one of the better parts of the entire movie. It makes it's no sense. It's visually stunning. Yes, it's visually stunning. Like, Is there a reason, Pap? Like, Is there something that we don't know that's going on with that song with China that I don't know about? I don't know. Well, it could be. Definitely go back and listen to that episode of the podcast. Uh, Host Josh is also on it. I don't know if there's some political reason for picking it. I don't even know if they actually pick it or if the Academy picks it. We'll we'll talk about that on the Oscar music show. I'll try and look that up. But yeah, I was disappointed. I don't think it has to do with 
the Oscars. I think it has to do with Disney pushing it. Because each... Disney has to push it. Yeah, it's Disney. Disney is picking one that they think has the best opportunity. And that is the one that they're marketing. I feel like it's just an objectively better song. I don't It's understand. also like the best part of the movie. It makes no sense. Um, are yeah. both vocalists on the second song as well as the first song? That I don't know. Is it Dolores do and Idina Menzel? Or is it just Idina? I think it's just I think it's just Idina. Okay, maybe they're doing it because... I'm Dolores. That's what, I'm just using that name because it's funny. <laughs> Dolores! <laughs> okay, sorry. Dolores! So, <laughs> Renee, you stopped it at it's right, Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, well, yeah. it's um, because it's the number for me. I have a different thing for you. It's So 31 for me is Lady and the Tramp. 30 is Frozen 2. And for me, I'm a big fan of Ralph Breaks Internet. Please go back and listen to that podcast. My audio sucks, but I'm a quality human being. Um... <laughs> So, it's, I had, it was all the feels, it's the visuals, it's the transformation, it's, go back to the podcast and listen, I'm a big fan of it. But as I'm seriously watching Frozen in the background now, I strongly feel Frozen is the better of the two films, which I was wrong. I have now elevated Frozen in my personal list. What? I, oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is now in, for me, personally ranked um, as my 20th film. It was elevated from below in the 20. It's now my top 20 because I admitted to being wrong. Uh, Tangled is still better, but that's just me. I'm carrying the torch. Uh, but currently, it's... Yeah, I admit that the animation is stronger but the story of Frozen 2 just isn't as strong as Frozen 1. Frozen 2 didn't get nominated, right? No. Just For the, Best just, Animated? Just the song. It didn't? No, it did not get animated. I don't think Frozen wow. 2 got nominated for Best Animated, yeah. No, it did not. And so there's there's some people that are a little bit um, hurt by that. I, was, I think I had the best music of any of the animated movies I saw this year. But um, I don't think the music is better than Frozen, though. No, definitely not. Not as like a, if you look at it as a whole. There's a couple individual songs that are better, but not as a full-on soundtrack. So they don't have a next uh, movie release or announced, I don't think. Yes, they do. Do they for for the Disney Animated Studios? Yes, they do. November. What is it? Uh, I can track, but they have one for November. Uh, it's d- number 15, 59. Uh, I'm trying to find it. It's in the Wikipedia. That's where I'm at. Uh... <laughs> Who's going to get okay. there? There we go. So yeah, November 2020, we'll all come back and do this again for Raya and the Last Dragon. Has there been a trailer for this at all? I don't think there has. I haven't seen anything. I think I've seen some images for it. Anyway, yeah, Steve, you got anything else you want to say? Sorry, I'm, I'm now looking at the artwork for it. It is kind of disappointing that Disney did like sequels to Wreck-It Ralph and Frozen. Because I always appreciate it when they go like outside the box and try to tell different stories outside of sequels. So I really hope... I mean, even when it comes to Pixar doing Toy Story 4, it was a great movie. It's just... It was nominated. Like it they, I know. It's a, it'll probably win. I think it was a fantastic movie. Uh, That's I probably just, another podcast in itself. Yeah, I just kind of wish they would get away from sequels for the time being. So I'm hoping that Frozen 3 takes a long time to come out. <laughs> like longer than they did between Frozen and Frozen 2 just so they can get a really solid story ironed out better than they did Frozen 2 so um, yeah I mean as I said it's a 
it's not a bad movie, but it's also not a great movie. So I have it at 35. All right. Well, we'll like I said, we'll all be back for Raya and the Last Dragon. Thanks for listening to a two-hour and 15-minute podcast, whatever this ends up being. Take it away, Spoiler Man. Spoiler Man here. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. To do this, one, search for movie spoilers. Two, click on our orange spoilers bowl logo and scroll all the way to the bottom. Three, leave us some stars and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes.